a huge day for Arizona sports fans with the Suns and the Diamondbacks. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is you decide to make Big Sky Sports Talk part of your day. My family and I greatly appreciate it. You have found the only podcast in the world completely devoted to the full coverage of the four major franchises of one major market. That's uh, Phoenix, Arizona. We do it a little bit differently. We do it from Big Sky Country, Billings, Montana. We cover ASU football, ASU basketball to go along with it, and all presented by the unofficial presenting sponsor of Muya Billings. Diamondbacks forced a Game 7. Game 7 is, as they say, the best words, the best phrase in sports. More on that in just a little bit. Um, but, uh, hey, I hope you're doing well. I, I hope your weekend was good. and um, Mine was uh, pretty good. Got got a lot of rest. Um, and uh, I won't get a whole lot of rest tonight because I'm, I'm starting this podcast a, lo- a little bit later than I normally would like. But happy Tuesday to you and uh, hope your Monday was good. As well as as the weekend, as as I uh, just uh, stated, uh, normal weekend for me, you know, work and and then church and all that stuff. I'm excited for uh, what's uh, going on. Um, I don't know how many people in um, Montana or uh, Billings uh, specifically listens to. Uh, this podcast, and I appreciate you if you do. Um, I believe um, Billings is the now moved into the second most listened um, audience uh, in in my little analytics section. Um, Alabama is still the first, as of course, majority of them being uh, friends, but. Um, the fact that Billings is second means that there are some of you that I've either come in contact with or seen my videos on online at Big Sky Sports Talk for uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, by the way. Appreciate you guys checking out that content. Uh, and welcome. And welcome to Big Sky Sports Talk, unofficially presented by Muya Billings. Um... Yeah, or even Muya that I just said, you know. Um, maybe uh, you heard about me from talking about them. I don't know. But I did want to s- extend a um, personal invite, as personal as I can get, um, from having not met you. But uh, um, my church is... Hosting a um, um, kids uh, central uh, weekend this upcoming weekend called Sugar Up, and uh, we we don't do the typical trunk or treat like most churches do, which there's nothing wrong with that. I love trunk or treat. We put a different spin on it. We just kind of make our, our gathering time Saturday and, and Sunday. Um, you know, about the kids, they still get a lot of candy. Um, and then, you know, uh, a teachable thing, but, 
uh, there, there, it's going to be a big day for, for everybody. And so I want to extend the invitation. So, um, throughout all of our campuses, uh, at Canvas Church, uh, throughout the state of Montana, uh, we'll be doing, uh, Sugar Up and, um, I would like to invite you. So, um, whether you're here, here in Billings, um, yeah, just uh, come to Canvas Billings, or maybe you're listening and you're near Kalispell. Um, you can go to the Kalispell uh, um, campus and all of their gatherings th- this week, uh, starting uh, Wednesday and, and then uh, Saturday and, and Sunday as well. They will be doing, doing Sugar Up, so catch them, uh, Columbia Falls. Same thing, Saturday and Sunday. Um, and then uh, Cup Bank uh, on Sunday. And here in Billings, Saturday and Sunday. So um, very easy. Uh, you can uh, go to uh, canvas.church in the events tab and get all the information. Or you can uh, just search uh, uh, Canvas Church um, and it will find one near you and hopefully... Uh, you're in uh, in Billings, uh, Columbia Falls, Kalispell, in in Cutbank, um, and uh, you're relatively near. I want to invite you. So I, I we got that coming up this weekend, and I'm pretty jacked up about it. Our whole church is, and uh, just wanted to extend uh, extend that right out to you. Um, other than that, not a whole heck of a lot going on uh, that I uh, feel the need to to uh, share. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty um, pretty excited uh, for uh, everything uh, upcoming um, over the next uh, couple of uh, days and and weeks. This week should have our first snow. This uh, um, maybe tomorrow, um, I, I think, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday and, and Friday, and then it's supposed to warm up a little bit, but not a whole heck of a lot. Um, so it's going to be cold, um, from here on out here in, in Billings and, and throughout Montana. Um, so yeah, and hopefully it, it's, uh, little to no snow, on uh, on Sunday sun, Sunday and Saturday for uh for sugar up um but yeah that's uh, that's the the big thing that I wanted to to share um I'm going to do the the show a little bit differently than I than I uh, did last time I didn't as I said I didn't like ending on the on the sour note I like you know I usually will go um order of um relevance order of um you know kind of um what happened first so i will do that but it kind of a a twist so i'll go um and we'll go ahead and do sound credits um the asu um that some kind of recap uh from Pac-12 Network on their YouTube page um 
from uh, Chris Cartman, who uh, um, is part of Sun Devil Source. Uh, normally, I would say Sun Devil Source. I, I have Sun Devil Source as well um, for yesterday's press conference, but he gives us uh, from his YouTube page the uh, post game uh, presser. Um, then we'll go ahead and go to uh, Cardinals, and we have um, from azcardinals.com the um, highlights there, uh, Jonathan Gannon from after the game and yesterday, um, Garrett Williams, who had an interception, he spoke to the media after the game, um, and then uh, Kajir White as well from, from yesterday. Um, we also have, um, from Arizona sports, uh, Wolf and Luke talk about, um, missed opportunities that, that continue to plague the Cardinals. Um, and so from their show, we will uh, talk about that. Um, and that will be courtesy of Arizona sports, their YouTube page. Um, and then we will, uh, then we will go, to um, highlights, uh, we'll talk some Coyotes and highlights that um, from from that game, uh, their their win um, against the Ducks, um, and that will be from the NHL YouTube page. Um, and then, f- uh, lastly, we will go ahead and uh, talk uh, Diamondbacks both. Uh, game five and game six, uh, as well as um, um, press availability of uh, Tori Lavelle, Merrill Kelly, um, Tommy Pham, Ketel Marte, and then uh, Brandon Fott will uh, close us up um, from not just the Diamondbacks portion, but from uh, for the whole show, um, and then well, before we do that, um, what will start us up is, um, or well, probably about the middle of the Diamondbacks, we'll we'll go back to Arizona Sports, and we have a topic uh, talking about Diamondbacks from uh, Bickley and Murata. So uh, that is your. Uh, Sound credits for, I believe that is everything. Um, so with that, we will start with uh, ASU as they played Saturday. So we'll uh, get get all the bad out of the way, starting with ASU. And that will be up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. Muya Burgers, Fries, Shakes, and Billings is the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. There are several Muya locations throughout the United States and a couple of locations internationally. Let's start out with the food. The burgers are fantastic. They have burgers for every lifestyle, vegan, keto, low-calorie, as well as gluten-free. My personal favorite is the Cheddar Bacon Barbecue Burger. Their fries are always fresh, and don't forget about the Muya sauce. You can get a shake to go along with it. Though the food is good, I always leave satisfied, but their customer service is at the top. Rico, he's the general manager of Muya Billings. 
He and his staff are top-notch. They are located at 2695 King Avenue West in Billings, Montana. So go see my guy Rico. He'll hook you up and tell him I sent you. Muya Billings, the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. ASU was like the Cardinals up in the Seattle area, and they played uh, Washington. They lost uh, fifteen to seven. Um, the only touchdown they had was in the second quarter, and uh, it was a run yard, uh, one yard touchdown run from uh, Scadaboo. Uh, but other than that. From then on, and they were the first to score, by the way, but then on, it was um, it was uh, Washington uh, from there. They, they had a field goal in the second, and uh, one more to follow up in the fourth. That uh, uh, Actually, ASU still had the lead at that point, but then uh, a touchdown and a field goal put it out of reach. Um, also in the fourth, and uh, that was it. Seventeen uh, fifteen was your final ASU with the seven, uh, Washington with the uh, fifteen. Uh, Trenton Borgay was uh, twenty six of forty seven, hundred ninety six yards uh, interception. Uh, Brooks uh, ten carries, sixty three yards. Elijah Badger eight receptions, fifty yards. Uh, Penix Jr. Uh, was 27 of 42, 275 yards, and two interceptions. Uh, Nixon, one carry for, thir- for 13 yards. And Polk, nine uh, receptions for 102 yards. Um, the Sun Devils, 21st downs. They were 5 of 17 on third and 2 of 6 on fourth for 341 yards. Uh, 196 passing, 4.2 yards per pass. Um, Washington, 17 first downs. They were 3 of 11 on third uh, for 288 uh, total yards, 275 passing, and 6.5 yards per pass. Um, ASU, 145 rushing on 31 attempts at 4.7 yards per rush. Um, Washington, 13 uh, yards rushing on 13 attempts and point or not point one, but one yard per rush. Uh, easy math there. That was absolutely pitiful for them. Uh, seven penalties for 71 yards for ASU, five for 51 for Washington. Um, Washington had uh, four turnovers, two fumbles lost, and two interceptions. And ASU still couldn't win. They only had the one interception. 37 minutes and 29 seconds of time of possession. So they had the ball more and still lost. And uh, 22 minutes and 31 seconds for Washington. But I always talk about with that stat, it's not necessarily how long you have the ball. It's what they do with it. And clearly Arizona State could not capitalize when they had it. And they took it away four times and still lost. And that is extremely, extremely rare. Um, And I would be certain that it gets brought up some way, somehow to Kenny Dillingham. But before uh, we get into that, 
uh, courtesy of Pac-12 Network, here is the um, some highlights, which for ASU was, well, very little. Motion, got the play clock winding down to get it away with two. Get to the outside, panics, and it's intercepted. Top side. Just did beat the play clock into the outside. A big game. Now past the 45-yard line. Bringing heat, panics, and it knocked away. There was a lot going on on Jalen Polk. Here come. Oh, the ball's out. And Arizona State has it. It's the third turnover of the first half of the Sun Devils. Shamari Simmons, who wasn't flagged, comes away with a loose ball. Morgan. Screen. Scatterboo. Made a man miss. Made two miss down the sideline. First down for Scatterboo. Rio Linda's finest. Junkum at the fullback position. Oh, my Touchdown, Sun Devils. Last week with two scores. Give it to Will Nixon over the left end. Another first down, and here's that offense from the Huskies. Oh, 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 oh. 25-yard try right down the show talking about how they dealt with it set the screen back to polk and a first down comes out. who's got it sun devils say they do fourth takeaway for arizona state brooks gets the toss following blockers down the side across the 40-yard line another to bring it forward. to throw for it. Dropped. Tried to get it to Conyers. Sprint left. Penix goes across his body. Caught. First down, Washington. Kit is up and good. Take the pit. Out in Borgay. Wide open Badger. He's able to stay on his feet at six. Four games. Huskies going the other way. Touchdown, Washington. Four down the middle. Wide open Stovall. And he got hammered. Pressure, Borgay. On the move. First down, Arizona State. Right at the stick. Borgay. Tipped. Incomplete. Somehow, someway, Washington is going to come away with it. This team is 7-0. Lots to learn from after this one. He said, that's it. They got a bunch of style points last weekend. This was, as you said, a survive and advance moment. Yeah, and when I said earlier, you know, that uh, ASU, you know, here's the highlights, and ASU doesn't have 
really any. And then they, of course, I had had a couple. They just didn't have a lot offensively. Defensively with the four takeaways is huge. And you can tell even, you know, from the perspective of, of um, I believe that game was on FS1, but, you know, like they our courtesy was to Pac-12 Network for those highlights. But even the crew was like, man, it was, you know, and uh, you heard right there then, and uh, Washington somehow hangs on. You know, it's it, it's just ASU and the Cardinals falling apart in in the late game situations. That pick uh, six was absolutely devastating. Here's uh, Kenny Dillingham, courtesy of. Chris Cartman of Sun Devil Source, it's his YouTube page, so it's not Sun Devil Source that gets the credit, um, but then it kind of is. But, yes, Chris Cartman uh, gives us Kenny Dillingham after the loss. Kenny. Kind of talk about the defense, Kenny, and how well they played. Unbelievable. Defense battled. They attacked. They played aggressive. They played way better uh, than enough to win the football game. Versus uh, that offense, unbelievable job by Coach Ward, unbelievable job by that entire staff, unbelievable job by our players competing and fighting our corners, taking those guys outside one-on-one and, ch- and on base downs and challenging them, uh, playing aggressive, playing cover zero on early downs. I right? loved how our defense played. Unbelievable performance by them. You had, you had missed uh, the one field goal, another one blocked. Were those factors in the decision to go for it? And can you talk about the pick six? Yeah, we were down two linemen, and we went in saying if we lost two more linemen, we couldn't kick field goals. So one lineman was risky. We knew it. So when we kicked the one field goal, uh, getting into the depth of the O-line, uh, we were a little concerned, and then that one got blocked. Uh, and then we lost another O-lineman. Cade was out for a little while. So it was a no-go that we couldn't, couldn't kick it. Uh, so it was 100% a go, and uh, you know it's a motion play. We know they're going to play man. We know they're going to spin the back end. So we're trying to motion the guy across, get him to spin the back end, get the guy to go over top, and then bang it back underneath. Uh, you know it was loud in there. Credit to their stadium, it was loud. We snapped the ball. Uh, you know the indicator in the snap was way too late, so it got the guy almost outside of the rub runner pre-snap. So pretty much it's a it's a horrible play at that point. You're just running a delayed in route versus catch man, right? We're trying to get the guy to go out, get the guy to go over top, and then bring him back in. We got exactly what we wanted. But, you know, we're, I just said it on the radio, but right now we're trying to find different ways to lose football games. Playing good enough, playing good enough football to win, uh, we're just finding different ways to lose. And that was another way we found to lose tonight, and it's really, really unfortunate. What about the rest of the offensive performance when Washington turned the ball over four times? Yeah, I mean, I thought we moved the ball, to be honest. Uh, you know, we only had two three and outs versus a pretty good defense. I think 350 yards, not ideal. But, you know, where we are personnel-wise, I thought we ran the ball well. It was a positive. I thought some of the, the misdirections runs were good. I thought getting to Carlos back was good for Scat as a good mix-up. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we didn't win. We knew if they lined up and played man that we were going to have a chance at 50-50 balls to get those explosive plays. And we just didn't have those. We didn't get those wins. So I got to find better ways to get our guys opportunities to get the ball downfield because I think we only had two explosive passes, maybe one explosive pass in the football game. Could have, could have been a walk-off. But I, we got to get more explosive passes. I got to do a better job um, mix, mixing that in. But I thought our O-line played pretty well. 
It seemed like you did what you needed to do as far as keeping the ball at the time of possession was heavily in your favor to do it. And you got the takeaways on defense, so you, it seemed like the formula was there to win this game. Yeah, the formula was there. That was the formula we wanted. We wanted to keep the ball. We wanted to run the football. We wanted to run perimeter runs. We wanted to throw a really quick passing game and not take negatives, which we did throughout the game. We wanted to use that to keep possession of the ball. Uh, the difference is we missed two field goals, right? If you have 13 points there at the end, it's a different football game. Uh, we didn't convert on two of the fourth downs in the plus territory because we weren't making field goals when we were aggressive on them. Both of those would have been field goal scenarios. Jalen Conyers earlier would have been a field goal scenario as well. We would have kicked both of those, but we just weren't in a personnel position uh, to kick those, to be honest. And I wasn't going to go put somebody out there uh, that, you know, is going to struggle in that scenario. I'm going to play to try to win it. So those two plays in the game, those two fourth downs, uh, and then missing two field goals, that's four times you get inside enemy territory inside the 25-yard line and have zero points. I mean, even if you kick four field goals in that scenario, you have 12 more points and you win the football game. So we got to clean up and get more consistent on field goal. We got to, I don't know if there's big bodies at ASU who just go there that want to play field goal for us. If you weigh 330 pounds, and I mean it, like reach out to our team, 320 pounds, reach out to our team, because we need big bodies to put in there on field goal, and we're down a lot of them. And that's going to come back to bite us if we, you know, have to play without, you know, a, a successful field goal unit. Uh, so that was those scenarios. Man, that bad, huh? You you just asking guys to just hey try out. You got you, you're 300 pounds. Boom, we'll teach you how to block for field goals and and hold hold your man, so we can uh, get something going. Um, <laughs> man, I, I think it might be worth it. You know what 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 do you got to lose? You play uh at least one year of of college football and. Uh, who knows how uh, what what could come of it? You know, you just be a stud out there on special teams during a field goal, and boom, um, make make things happen. Um, it, it, it's hard to win when you're not getting touchdowns and you're getting field goals. But he is right. You know, they they get those twelve points um, that they missed on field goals. Uh, they uh, they they win the game, and that that's. That's pretty much how that goes. Ingredients that, that led to that defensive performance being what it was. We work. I mean, we work and we believe. Uh, I say it all the time. People probably think I'm a little crazy. Like, we take the field. Every time I take the field, do anything competitive, I expect to win. And, and people will, do you really expect to win or do you hope? No, no, I expect to win. Like, I hate losing. This is so frustrating because we could have won the last four football games. Our guys are playing solid to good football. We're finding different ways to lose, and I got to remove that. We can't we can't keep losing games in different ways. We eventually got to get over the hump. We eventually got to make a play. We eventually got to catch that fourth down. We eventually got to send a perfect motion versus the look, and the safety goes over top and bang it for a first down. We eventually got to make those plays in those critical moments of the football game, and I got to do a better job training those moments because right now like i said it's a bingo card for how are we going to lose even though we're playing winning football which is very upsetting but i will say this i'm so proud of our guys our guys are battling we're one and six our guys are competing their butt off 
We couldn't go to a bowl game preseason. Nobody cares about us. And our guys are showing up to work every day. They're competing every day. They're in that locker room hugging each other, saying we're going back to work. We're building the right culture here. We can see how close we are in year one through all of this, all the, all the banged up, all the negative. We're this close. We're this close to not just being a solid team. We're this close to being the number five team in the country. We're this close to beating USC. We're as close to being good football teams, this close. So we're going in the right direction. Would I like it to happen faster? Yes. I'd like it to happen much faster. But you know what? You can't control the time of when it's going to flip. But when we learn how to win, we're going to be a really, really dangerous football team. Well, the thought process on taking the um, delays on the, the one field goal and the PAT? Yeah. Well, we were trying to get them to jump. They were really, really aggressive versus Oregon. So we did a lot of false cadence in the game just because those guys were getting off on the ball. So the difference in a 25-yard field goal and a 30-yard field goal is like 2% statistically on making it. So I was willing to take the risk of trying to get them to jump, get a free first down or throw the fade in response to that, and the same thing with the extra point. So it was really just we're so aggressive on fourth downs to begin with. Maybe we could get a team to jump off sides, did a good job not, but I also think we prevented their ends from getting off the ball which was a huge key to the game for us because we mixed up the cadence so much. And I thought our guys handled the noise really well until fourth down and three yards to go. It was the only time that our motions were wrong with timing in the entire game. Do you That's have, upsetting. Do you have any thoughts about some of the penalties? You had the the, the one that, that didn't go O'Meary's way in the end zone and then the one that was in the, that fade that they picked up. The, the, was it? Yeah. Uh, you know, they threw it from the, the back ref, back judge, uh, threw it and said he grabbed him, and the side judge on our side said there was no restriction, so he overruled it. Uh, you know, I, th I actually thought the officials did a really nice job in the game, to be honest. Uh, you know, they communicated well. Uh, I thought they had really good reasoning when they picked up flags. I thought they had really good reasoning throughout the game. You know, I thought there was a, a Troy O'Meary home run post earlier that he got grabbed a little bit, but that's going to happen throughout the football game. But... I thought they did a really nice job, to be honest. Coach, what do you have to say about Jamar Simmons' performance tonight? Uh, he's a battler, man. We got guys that are fighting. I think that's the that's the moral of who we are. Is we're gonna fight. Like that's we're gonna go to practice. We're gonna compete. We're gonna fly around. We're gonna have energy, and we're gonna come out here and expect to win. And when you expect to win and you're a competitor, you're gonna compete at the highest level, every single slap, every single snap. And like I told the guys all week, it's moments. It's 80 moments in the game that you got to make. 90 moments. Win your moment. Our defense won a lot of moments on offense. We had a lot of moments that we made. A lot of moments that we busted. A lot of moments that we just didn't make in the critical moments. And uh, that starts with me. I mean, I, I am calling the plays for a reason because it's my. It's me. It's on me. Every, every lack of success this offense has is my fault, 100%. There's nobody else to blame. There's no player to blame. There's no other coach to blame. It's 100% on me, and I got to get it fixed. And I'm a big boy, right? That's why I took it over is because I knew we were in a challenging situation, and uh, it comes on me, falls back on me. So I got to do a better job. Players are competing. Players are playing hard. I got to get more out of them. Obviously, moral victories kind of suck, but the way this team is playing so hard, it seems like that that's evidence that they are still buying in, despite how hard these losses have been. Oh, yeah. The buy-in isn't a question. 
Come out. To, I mean, you guys come out to a practice. The buy-in isn't a question. The uh, the will to compete of this team isn't a question. The will to go back to work on Monday isn't a question, right? Finding a way to win, that's what we got to figure out. But the, the culture that we're instilling here is the right culture. The fight that we're instilling here is the right fight. We can see it. You'd have to be blind to not see it. I mean, if, if it was all about wins and losses right now, right, this would be horrible. But it's about the growth. And when our guys battle the way they battled, when they compete the way they compete, there's a lot of things we got to get better at. But, man, I'm so proud of this team, proud of how we're battling, proud of how we're competing. And uh, like I told them in the locker room, we can win every game on our schedule. Let's go back to work next week. Let's go home. Let's get a W. Immediately after the interception, was there a moment to regroup with Trenton or some of the guys on offense to just try to get back on track? There was. I mean, that's hard. You know, the next drive, you look what happened. Uh, you know, two two mistakes on the next drive showed up just because, you know, we kind of lost our focus there. So I got to do a better job getting those guys back back home after a scenario after a scenario like that. But that's a big emotional swing, you know. That, that takes a very, very veteran-led team, to be honest. A very, very, very deep culture to respond at a really high level after something like that. And uh, I got to go over there more, and I got to be more involved culturally, uh, you know, in that moment to try to get those guys back and really give them a plan for what the next drive was uh, so we could go and, and respond, which we didn't on that second drive, or that drive after it. Coach, we talk about the defense and stuff, but what can you say about kind of the guys who had to shuffle in? Alfonso Taylor came in. Um, what's another name? Elijah O'Neal came in after Clayton kind of took another targeting penalty. What can you speak about kind of that next up man up mentality that you guys have continuously had to ha have this season? Yeah, our defense, I mean, those guys are ready to, ready to play. Kudos to our defensive staff for, for getting everybody in the depth ready to play. Uh, you know, Elijah O'Neal, it's funny you mention him. You know, I really kind of called him out the other day. For just doing the little things right. You know, he's got to do the little things right. Show up early. Don't be the last one somewhere. Show up early. And really challenged him. And this week, he was 10 minutes early to everything we did. Uh, he was one of the first people out to practice. He was dialed in. So it's kind of fitting that you mentioned him because it just shows that he yeah, was a kid who made a drastic change in how he prepared. And for him to go and have that success on game day, hopefully, I mean, that's good with three years left. Hopefully that shows him, man, if I just do it this way, if I just do it the right way, right, I'm going to be ready when my number's called on game day. Anything else? Thanks, Coach. Thanks, All right. Thanks, Coach. Um, let's go ahead and skip on over to um, after uh, practice. Or, well, probably not. I don't think it's after practice. Uh, yeah, no, not after practice. Uh, Mondays. Um, press availability for uh, Kenny Dillingham, and this is Sun Devil Source. Hello, Rubino Devils Digest. Uh, I know the passing game, even in recent losses before Washington, uh, did perform at a higher level than it did last Saturday. Aside from Washington having one of the better pass defenses in the league, were there any issues that you identified last Saturday that maybe were not there uh, the last few games? No. Uh, they obviously played man more on early downs. Uh, you know, had some opportunities uh, with some one-on-one -on -one balls that, you know, if they go the other way, and like I told the guys, like, that type of stuff, we're going to make those plays. You know, if we throw seven one-on-one -on -one balls, 
I feel confident that we're going to catch three of them in a game, you know, on a, on a consistent basis. So, um, no, I don't think there was anything that just challenged us more, play a little bit more man-to-man on early downs. Chris Carmen, son of a source. Kenny, um, after watching the game back, I'm sure as you always do, um, did you have any evolved perspective on anything that maybe was a little bit different than watching it, either the officiating or anything else that you saw? Yeah, I mean, I definitely saw some things that were different, you know, but I think from an us perspective, it's not really. There was a few things in terms of how they were playing the backside of zone. They're bringing backside edge blitz and squeezing the in pretty heavy that I didn't see on game day. That maybe would have altered a few run calls. Maybe try to get some locked runs or something along those lines. Uh, they were cutting the front there in the fourth quarter to try to negate the backside tackle. But other than that, uh, it was a pretty, pretty clean to what I saw. Other than the few things that I'm not going to talk about. And and then um, you ran the ball better than you have um, in in earlier games this season. Not great, maybe, but at least pretty good. Was that something that you could? Take some confidence from? Yeah, I think it all goes together. So if you want to get in and be a cut split, speed sweep, toss team, you can't be everything. So if you want to cut them in and be that, you are going to elaborate in the running game and create more problems in terms of the pin and pulls and the speed sweeps. But you have to invest your time in that stuff, which means you're not going to invest your time quite as much in some more open sets that, you know, feed into some passing game. Uh, because you're not going to pair the things together. And when you, the tighter splits you get, the more naked and true shots become your game plan. And we're struggling right now with the shots. So it's, it, it kind of all went together. We wanted to control the clock in the game. We wanted to try to be efficient. And when you look back at it, there was a lot of – we were efficient in a lot of ways. We only had, I mean, very few three and outs. We had – there was four drives consecutively that took up 16 minutes of game clock. Uh, which is what you want to do versus those guys. The issue is we weren't consistent enough throughout the entire drive to actually put points on the board, whether that was with field goals and our field goal unit, uh, where we were with the O-line preventing us kicking them. But regardless of, of that situation, we weren't consistent enough to play that style of game and then finish off with touchdowns. And that's really the challenge. If we want to be that team that expands the running game with all that stuff, we're going to reduce the box. We're going to shrink the box. Uh, it's not going to be as much of the quick passing game because you can't do that. Harder to do that from cut splits because it's harder to see what the pictures are. So you've got to be able to hit the explosive plays for touchdowns. Uh, i got to do a better job getting a few more easy dump naked throws in on early downs if that's possible. Uh, and then we got to be able to stay consistent throughout a drive because we're playing really good defense. Um, Coach Blake Neiman, Cronkite Sports. You have held the lead going into the fourth quarter in these past two games. You talked about how close you are to getting over the hump to a victory. What it goes into getting that final finish in the fourth quarter? Yeah, cleaning the bus after the game. That's the difference. Cleaning the bus. Defense's bus is clean. Offense's bus is dirty. That's what goes into winning those types of football games. Literally. Cleaning the bus. Picking up after yourself. So Max went down in the game, continuing offensive line theme. Um, is there any update on him or others with the group? Uh, little update on Max. He'll be out two to four weeks. Uh, the group, uh, high chance we get Frosty back this week. 
uh, which would be huge for us. You know, losing one, we're in this kind of like mold where we're, you know, getting replaced we, mode right now. But it is good that we're going to get him back if we're going to lose Max for a little bit. Uh, everybody else, I feel like it's kind of status quo. So uh, same real situation, just trading out Frosty for Max, which moves some guys out because Frosty's a guard uh, instead of where Max was a, a tackle. And, uh, Anthony Cooper went down. Is there no like update there. We're still waiting on some, some results. Sure. Hey, Coach, Jordan Ham, Sports 360 AZ. Um, after the game, uh, you called on the general student body, on any big body people that could help. Have you, has anyone taken you up on that? There was one guy somebody showed me on Twitter. That was pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I don't know. He was in a jersey. He was like pass setting. Um, field goal, you don't have to move. You just got to stand there. Let somebody run you over, but uh, but not really. I mean, but I did challenge. I mean, in the in the meeting today, I challenged the the defense that you know most defensive players don't play field goal. Maybe unless it's a wing that we're gonna have to use some some guys on the D line. And the reason for that is pure size. Most defensive linemen in four down schemes aren't 315 pounds. You know, they're 270, 240. So you know the physics of field goal doesn't fit to those. But the guys that are big. Like that, like the CJ fights of the world. Uh, I told Trey Brown he may have to play wing because we may have to move some of our wing size down. It is what it is, and I did a bad job getting us ready uh, for you know uh, a situation like that. I should have practiced that rookie mistake by me. Uh, I feel like it was a critical part of the game that we couldn't kick a field goal because we didn't have enough depth there. We should have practiced our entire D line on field goal before based off of our situation, which I've never had to do, never been a part of that. So now that I've faced it and seen it, I can learn from it and I can be better. Um, Coach, just on the aspect of the run game and that kind of being opened up last game, um, with DeCarlos Brook being back in the mix, how much did that help with the validity of the offense? That was huge. It was good getting a mix between keeping Scott fresh with DeCarlos and having that back and forth, both being similar backs, but just a little bit different in their run style. Very, very minor, but just a little bit different uh, is a good balance for us. And you could see that. You could see the freshness uh, in both those guys. So that was a huge, huge positive. I thought our backs ran hard. I thought our O-line did a nice job in the running game. Uh, you know, I think part of that is we opened things up with kind of what we were doing uh, with all the perimeter runs and the perimeter screens. We were trying to open the backside C-gap up. Hey, Coach, when you look at what Washington State does on offense, um, and especially at, at quarterback, um, you know what, what can you take maybe from Washington and help apply to Washington State? Yeah, they, uh, to be honest, they're kind of significantly different. You know, they both throw the ball a lot, but Washington is a vertical passing game. Uh, throws the ball down the field a lot. Washington State does some of that, but if you watch their last game versus Oregon, it's screen, 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 shot. Uh, but similar similar styles, but in terms of open sets, uh, they don't get into as many formations. Uh, they really try to play that we got good looks. So you'll see them check into some good plays. You'll see Ward change the play, it looks like, at the line of scrimmage sometimes. So they're more trying to get into good looks or certain defensive structures. Uh, whereas Washington's shift motion, create the confusion. We know, slash anticipate what you're going to do, throw the shots, get into some good runs. So a little bit different way to attack. 
uh, both trying to throw the football just in different philosophies. Um, what's the difference with preparing for a guy like Cameron Ward versus Michael Penix Jr.? Yeah, I mean, War, Penix is going to throw the ball from the pocket a little more. Ward's going to, you know, extend plays a little more. But they both play within the system. You know, the Washington system is very structured-based in terms of when the ball should be out timing. War, uh, Washington State system is very free, and they do a really nice job with him. I mean, he extends plays a lot. He knows where to go with the football. He looks really, really confident this year. Uh, so he's been playing really well. Hi, Coach. Uh, Steve Gogliacello, Arizona Sports. It's homecoming week. You're an alum. What does homecoming mean to you, and what do you think it means to the crowd coming? Uh, is it bad that I didn't know it was homecoming? <laughs> is it? Is It's homecoming? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, come out. I mean, we've had two last two games have been sellouts. Be unbelievable if we could get three games in a row as a sellout for homecoming. Uh, our guys are battling. I think everybody should be proud of how our guys are playing. Anybody who watches us uh, knows our guys are playing hard. They're practicing hard. They're preparing hard. And uh, we just got to keep getting better. Uh, Coach, obviously, I mean, the interceptions, I know, talking about it, they finally came. Just from that point of it, from what the defense was able to do and um, everything, I mean, going forward, how much confidence do you feel that, that gives them? Well, I shouldn't say confidence, more confidence that gives them but just your overall thoughts on those interception plays. Unbelievable. I mean, our defense has been playing really, really, really good football the entire season. I mean, the only reason that we're not statistically probably a top 15 defense is our offense has struggled. Special teams have put short fields, and then they didn't get takeaways early in the season. So you have to, you know, use all three downs to get somebody off the field every drive. Most, most good defenses have one or two drives a game where they just get off the field. Uh, with turnovers, and you saw that. So hopefully that continues to build. But I couldn't be happier with our defense plan. And, uh, like I showed them today, we played really well, and there's still areas to get better at and improve. And that's always the challenge is when you have success, there's two sides of adversity. And the fun part is our our football team is facing both sides of that adversity in the same week. We have one side of the ball that failed and is facing that adversity. We have another side of the ball that had extreme success and is facing the adversity of people telling them they're good. So it's a really, really tough challenge for our football team to both stay, both sides of the ball stay focused on the task at hand, and that's just being the best version of ourselves today, tomorrow, uh, and every single day we take the football field. Coach, it seemed like in the game that there was a lot of 50-50 uh, chances for receivers. Uh, where do you think the key is to coming out on top of those one-on-ones? Yeah, I mean, I always look at myself in those scenarios and I say, okay, well, um, maybe we get more of those in practice. You know, we've been doing a lot of one-on-ones, but, you know, maybe we put the ball on a hash, maybe we go to the lower red zone, maybe we get some more of these 50-50 fade balls for our guys to the field. Uh, what can I do to help that scenario? Because uh, we did have those opportunities so I have a lot of confidence in our guys going to make plays. I mean, I think we had nine of them in the game, eight or nine of them in the game, uh, 0 for 9, 0 for 8. And you make any one, of the, any one of those, you could win the football game. But I go back to, you know, what can I do to get us to make those plays? And we can practice those scenarios better, uh, practice them more, practice them with more intensity. I can go over there and be passionate about the drill, not just let the drill happen. Right? What can I do to make that more game-like? 
Hey, Coach. So you've talked about a lot of the, the culture that you're trying to establish here at ASU. Would you say that Saturday is a really big culture game? You're back in front of the home crowd for the first time in a couple of weeks, and you guys have, again, shown that, you're, you, like you said, you're right there. And now that you have a homecoming crowd back in, back in Tempe, you know, is this a, a good opportunity for you guys to really try to get back in the win, win column and just you know, say that this, this, is, this train is still moving as much as some people still might just not have the confidence in it? Yeah, I don't, I don't ever look at it as, as a game, as a reflection of are we working in the right direction culturally? I look at do we show up early on Monday? Are there people on the list? Do we have a good Tuesday practice? Saturday is a reflection of everything you do throughout the week, how you live your life. Uh, so I don't look at the game as a reflection of our culture. I mean, it's obviously going to reflect we work hard, we compete, and that's going to show up. But I don't look at the result. So I'm not looking at the results of Saturday's game to say, is this working or is it not? I'm looking at the process. And that's why when somebody asked the question earlier, I said the bus was dirty because I, I mean that. And I think that's just where we are as a program is, you know, do the little things right. And that's what winning teams do unless you're going to be, you know, a team that has unbelievable talent and can do whatever they want. You've got to be able to do the, the little things right. And you've got to take pride in the little things. And if you don't think that little thing matters, that's what I told the guys, then you're making a decision that you know what wins, you think that you know what wins, right? But the fact of the matter is there's a lot of guys who don't, and we have to teach them that this type of stuff wins, and the defensive bus is spotless. The bus driver says it was the cleanest bus she's ever had, and different on the other side. Why? Well, it's a decision. we got to make those decisions as a team uh, to be better. Yep, they got to get better, and as he said, it's it's all on him. Uh, another guy that would say everything that's been going on is all on on him is Jonathan Gannon. We'll get into the Arizona Cardinals and and how they uh, continue to uh, let let games slip away. Up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. Unofficially presented by Muya Billings. Cardinals lose twenty to ten after um, taking a uh, um, another loss to Seattle. They are. Now, uh, one in six. Sorry, I had to get my thoughts together. I apologize on that. Um, just uh, was not uh, great at all. Only one touchdown um, and then and a field goal. And they scored in the second, uh, first and second quarter. Did not score at all in the, in the rest of uh, the game, um, including obviously the uh, second half. Uh, Josh Dobbs, 19 of 33, 146 yards. Um, Amari DiMicardo, uh, 13 carries, 58 yards. Um, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, three receptions, 49 yards. Geno Smith, 18 of uh, 24, 219 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. 
Uh, Kenneth Walker the third, 26 carries, 105 yards, and um, uh, I can't have the hardest time pronouncing this name. Uh, but uh, Smith Smith Nigba, I think that's uh, Jackson Smith Nigba. Um, four receptions, sixty-three yards, and a touchdown for him. Um, Cardinals uh, fifteen first downs, nine. Uh, excuse me, seven passing, six rushing, two from penalties. They were five of uh, thirteen. Excuse me, five of fifteen on third down, over three on fourth down. Um, including a very, very questionable fake punt call. Um, uh, Seahawks, 18 uh, first downs, 11 from passing, 6 rushing, 1 from penalties. Uh, They were 7 of 13 on third down. Uh, Cardinals, 63 total plays for 249 yards, 11 on 11 drives and 4 yards per play. Seahawks, 58 total plays, uh, 318 total yards uh, on 10 drives and 5.5 yards per play. Uh, Cardinals, 122 passing yards for 300, or 300, for 3.2 yards per pass. Seahawks, uh, 203 yards passing for 7.8 yards per pass and the one pick. Uh, Cardinals, four sacks on 28 yards. And um, Seahawks, two sacks for 16. Rushing, 127 yards. Rushing, 25 attempts, 5.1 yards for rush for the Cardinals. 115 for Seattle on 32 attempts and 3.6 yards per rush. Uh, Cardinals were 0 of 1 in red zone situations. Uh, Seattle's 1 of 3. Seven penalties for 60 yards for the Cardinals. Five for 32 uh an, another time where um the team from Arizona had fewer turnovers but still lose the game. Seahawks they gave the ball away three times with two fumbles and one interception and still won the game. They had higher uh, time possession, 30 minutes and 32 seconds. Cardinals, uh, 29 minutes and 28 seconds. Uh, 20 to 10 was the final. Um, Here's uh, some highlights, uh, again, courtesy of azcardinals.com. Smith from the shotgun, third down. Aaron one out, and the catch is made by Jake Bobo. The rookie out of UCLA, 32 yards. But he's doing something good. I like the culture that he's bringing. Seventh play of the drive. Speaking of Smith. Zavin Collins. Him and Gino have a great connection. There's Walker, cuts to the outside. First down and more. Kenneth Walker still going, and finally chased down by Buda Baker. Geno Smith told us he could take a two-yard run, turn it into 50. Here's Smith, fires, touchdown! It's Jackson Smith in Jigba. His first NFL TD. Really about to get involved, and this is when Geno Smith is at his best. Play action, plenty of time in the pocket, reads the defense. 
put it all on Joshua Dobbs' right arm. Second straight three and out. Excellent kick. Dallas from the 28th. Cardinals recover. Dennis Gardick comes up with it. Rather, the Cardinals get points on the board instead of going for them for it, not making it, and deflating that Cardinals team. Matt Prater from 44. Jonathan Gannon trying to be coy about Kyler Murray getting back and getting those reps. Here's DeMarcado, first down and more. DeMarcado finally forced out of bounds after crossing midfield. From the 35 on the toss, it's Rondale Moore. Moore has a Cardinals first down, finally dragged. Tough to bring down. Down by Quandre Diggs. Here's Dobbs after the fake to DeMarcado. Dobbs oh. still going on first and goal from the 25. Takes it in for an Arizona touchdown. Fools everybody when he puts it in the stomach of Imari DeMarcado. And he just bounces off these weak tackles by the Seattle Seahawks secondary. That was a 25-yard scam scamper for a touchdown. Third down at 10. Smith fires to the outside. It's Lockett. Another Seattle first down at the Arizona 31. From the 18-yard line, Smith with time throws to the end zone. Bobo, the antenna receiver. Boy, was that close to being a touchdown. This is the angle that the officials saw. He, he obviously has possession. The left is down and then freeze. That's the completion. And I'm looking at the Seahawks sitting in zone again. Take something easy up in the middle of the field. Or get sacked. Second down and 11. Smith rolling right. Lobs one up, and it is caught by the tight end, Colby Parkinson, for a Seahawks first down in Cardinals territory. From the Arizona 36, off the fake to DJ Dallas. Smith fires, and it's caught. Noah Fant. Looking to correct that today. Again, it is Walker, and again, he is stopped short. Third and goal. Fake to Walker. Smith throws. Catch made by Parkinson, but he's brought down by Starling Thomas. There's Myers from the right hash. 21-yard attempt. Big, fast, can beat man coverage. Third down and two. And Dobbs will be wrapped up shy of a first down. Tyler Lockett one-on-one -on -one with Scarling Thomas. Smith looking, oh, no. hit as he throws, and it is picked off. Intercepted at the one-yard line. A one-score game. Allow your team play complimentary football. Oh. Second down and two, big hit, but Rondell Moore in the NFL in any quarter this season. On second down, ball is loose. Cardinals recovered. 
The third Seattle turnover. From the Seahawks' 34-yard line. Nice play call. Pass underneath, and McBride hurls on National Tight Ends Day <laughs> and picks up the Cardinals' first down. You think it would have been all downhill, and then from there they were able to bounce back, hold them to a field goal. 34-yard attempt. Prater, it is no good. So missed opportunities. Smith stays on his feet. And now is wrapped up down back at the 22-yard line. Flyers kick. It's good. He's going to get help from the safety and or the linebacker, depending on the route. Second and ten. Don spins, taken down. Daryl Taylor with the sack of Dobbs back at the 42-yard line. Fourth and 11. Dobbs under pressure, sacked again. Jaron Reed. To basically end the game on two sacks was absolutely rough. Uh, here is Jonathan Gannon post game. Good hard fought game. Didn't make enough plays there to win. A um, couple turning points in the game. Um, let me give them credit. They made some plays there. I thought we battled. We just I just told them though today or in the locker room there we just got to battle a little bit better. But uh, like the fight from them and uh, we'll go back to work tomorrow. Yeah, we just got to find some rhythm there. You know, I think they did a great credit to Seattle's defense. You know, they're a good defense, but got to find some rhythm in the run game a little bit because um, we we made some plays in the run game. Just got to be a little more consistent. And the pass game takes all 11. We got to do a better job throwing the ball. Their first touchdown looked like there was a miscommunication. <laughs> yeah, that's on coaching. Yeah, I thought he looked good. I mean, coming back from the injury that he had um, as quick as he did, I mean, he's a he's a warrior, man, you know, and it's good to have him out there. Made some good plays in there today. Um, but he definitely helps us out as a as a team and as a unit. It looked like Garrett was ready to go, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think he had an interception. I thought he covered pretty good. Had a couple tackles in there. Um, Good to see his first snaps, you know, however many he played, first time playing football in a long time. But uh, just the credit to him, and he got himself ready to play and stepped up and played quality snaps for us and probably played winning football. I got to watch the tape, but he did well. Yeah, just the kind of the matchups and how we decided to structure the game plan. But I thought Amari did some good things in there, um, turned on some burners a couple times, had some explosive runs in there. I thought he did well. Yeah, I thought he did good. I think he had the one penalty or whatever, bang, bang. But uh, uh, in that environment versus that front, I thought he did a really good job. What do you think about the objection? Uh, you know, I didn't see it. I th they told me that he touched an official. On the, on the fake pump, was that something you were thinking about doing the whole time? Was that yeah, just a call I made. And, you know, credit to them. They made the play. And uh, you got to live with those decisions. But I like the call. And uh, ultimately, that's on me. We didn't get it done. 
the call was a, uh, it was a fake punt pass. It was, um, gosh, who was it was a Clayton Tune on the pass, but it was a five yard out, and you needed what did they need us? Uh, I want to say seven or eight more than they needed more than five and uh just a very very questionable call he likes it but no one else does really <laughs> uh no i mean they do a good job of covering up windows they got some length out there they can rush um it's good defense but i thought that you know we probably left a couple plays out there when we watched the tape we'll see that and, uh, but I did think we improved on some things, all three phases today. Um, that gives us some energy going into, hey, we, we said we wanted to improve these things. We got to keep improving these things. That's why I said I like the fight. Just got to fight a little bit better. How important was Josh's ability to Yeah, huge. You see it every week. You know what I mean? He gets us out of trouble at times. He extends plays. Um, you know, we missed a couple today when he extended them, and just that's you know how the game went. But uh, he does a good job with that. All right, um, and then uh, Garrett Williams, his first time back to football, first game as an Arizona Cardinals gets a uh, interception. First career game, first career interception. What do you make of your performance being out there? Uh, it was cool. It was a lot of fun. Uh, definitely a lot of stuff I got to improve on and uh, work on, but I'm glad I got the first pick out the way. Um, but a lot of stuff to improve on going forward. What, what are those improvements you're going to focus on? Uh, really the pre-snap stuff, lining up faster, uh, communicating better with guys. I feel like especially early in the first half, I um, was kind of throwing off the defense, not lining up fast enough, um, making guys have to kind of help me get a line, stuff like that. But, you know, that stuff will get fixed as time goes on. Was there any sort of learning curve with the scheme first time being out there? Uh, no, not really learning Kermit the ski, just the speed is a lot different than practice. And Seattle did a good job a couple of times of getting on the ball fast, causing me to think faster. Uh, and some of the times I did it right, sometimes I did it wrong, so I just got to get better at it. Nerves, nerves at all, kind of? Can you talk about how you felt kind of going into the game? <laughs> nah, not, not really any nerves. I don't really get nervous for games. I feel like um, football is football, you know. I was really just excited. Um, it's been a long time coming, you know. I've been ready to play, uh, excited to play, so I was really just trying to just live in the moment and just enjoy it for what, what it is. Would your teammates advise you or did they give you any advice? Or? No, they just tell me to be me. You know, they've seen what I've been doing in practice. They're just to stick to what I've been doing, you know, so shout out to them. What was the emotion of that first snap for you? The first snap? Um, jittery. It's yeah. very jittery, you know. I, I wasn't just that nervous, but it was just like, hey, I'm here. Like, let's go. Um, yeah, very jittery. <laughs> Some more excitement? Yeah, all, all excitement, yeah, because it's like, I'm here, you know, I'm out here, finally. My family, friends are watching, like, this is what I want to do, you know. I know it was your first game with him, but when you have someone like Buddha out there, oh, yeah. how does that make everyone else's job easier? Uh, it's, it's crazy, you know, to be on the field with somebody that you've been watching growing up, um, and him depending on you, you depend on him, um, it's, it's special, you know, special, something that I really value. So good stuff for that young man. Uh, I mean, especially, you know, boom. First game, ready to go, gets an interception. Uh, here's uh, Jonathan Gannon uh, from uh, yesterday. Look, uh, when you look back on yesterday's game and you see how the offensive line performed, kind of how would you judge that? And did they get – was Cologne being in there, do you think that impacted them? 
No, I thought Cologne played pretty good in there. Um, and then Beach had to come in and play. Obviously, when Hump got ejected, I thought he played well. Um, some things we got to clean up in pass pro. Uh, that goes into throwing the ball a little bit better efficiently, uh, certain protections and certain one-on-ones, but different things like that. But uh, they battled. We've moved people in the run game for the most part. Um, but uh, I like how they operate as a unit. Throughout these seven weeks so far, has there been one thing that you could kind of point to that you could say, this is consistent and this is something we're proud of? Our attitude and effort and hitting. I think our hitting's there, our effort's there. The fight's always there. we got to fight a little bit better. Um, and that's talking to all of us, you know, how we set up the game plan, how we call the games, uh, the week of practice, the execution on game day, the adjustments during the game. All that stuff has to uptick because that's, you know, all those reasons go into winning and losing football games. So we got to do that at a, a little bit better level. Have the issues weekly been the same or are they different kind of like? It's the NFL. It's, it's kind of predicated on opponent at times. But um, there's been some things that we've pointed out that we got to do a better job of that we have done. Um, but then just like you said, you know, certain things, you know, different games, you know, go. Um, and something else might pop up. So I think overall, just the consistency of technique, we got to make sure we're on those details. When it comes to the snap counts for the running backs, how much of how they were all utilized yesterday was based on what you saw in LA, really with Keontae last yesterday? Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's kind of, you know, we had the three backs up and we have a kind of a game plan that we go in, a set number of plays, and that kind of always changes game by game. Um, but uh, I thought Amari did well in there. He took kind of the, the fair share there, um, and I was pleased with his performance. Was, was the plan all along for Cologne uh, to start? I know the TV mentioned that Dennis was listed as a starter. I don't know where they got that from. I don't know where they got that either. Yeah, Cologne started the whole week. Was Clark just hurting and he, wanted to, he wasn't going to play, or was, was him not getting snaps also? Performing? No, he was healthy. Why is Josh able to kind of weather kind of his storm every week and just kind of stay at that level of consistency, you know, as a, as a, as a person, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think, I mean, just he's, he's very level-headed. He doesn't ride the emotional roller coaster on game day. And um, he does a good job with consistency in practice, too, which helps him on game day. You know, through the good, the bad, with Josh, and difference even at times, in addition to what Josh was saying, I mean, it seems like he's not only revived a career that never really got a, a real fair shot to begin with, but that he's he's earned something that, for the next few years. Based on what we've seen, do you agree with that? Well, you know me, I'm not worried about the past, not worried about the future, but I know that he's playing pretty good football for us. I'm sure he wants to improve parts of his game to help our team win, and that's what he works at every week every day. What's it been about the second half that this team kind of has not been able to produce uh, in, in terms of scoring points? Yeah, I think, I mean, just the, what I kind of said before is just the execution of all 11, all the guys that are playing, uh, consistency of our technique and fundamentals, and then, uh, you know, making a few more plays here or there. And, you know, look, you know, you look at that game and, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, which that's not the NFL, but you're in the high red zone down a score in the fourth quarter and had a couple bad plays there. And then, you know, we don't come away with any points, but we're knocking on the door. So we, we just got to maximize our opportunities when we have the chances to.
with the weather conditions, why at the end of the first half didn't take a shot at a long field goal? Yeah, I didn't like the range there, truthfully. The range. From your defensive background, Jake Bobo's touched on yesterday. I mean, did you see anything that could have been done differently, or is that just a spectacular catch? No, there's some technique we got to clean up on that play to not allow it to happen. Yeah, we'll see. He's doing a good job. I mean, we'll take it day by day with him. What's your thoughts of when watching the tape on the whole episode there when DJ uh, got ejected with going at another player and the official was standing up? Yeah, well, our guys know non-negotiables of fighting and touching a ref. Please, thoughts on the offense about the face this Sunday. Could do a lot of different things. Yeah, I... Um, haven't watched a ton yet, um, but uh, I know that the quarterback is dynamic. I know that they got a lot of good skill players and a good system on a good football team. So, played against them a couple times. So, um, you know, yeah, he's uh, his skill set is unique to the quarterback position, and he plays at an extremely high level. It's kind of interesting to me that uh, you know. Although, I guess if you know how Jonathan Gannon is, he sometimes I feel like he, he's well prepared for everything and well in advance, and sometimes you feel like, oh, okay, uh, like the Kyler question, he's a day at a time. Taking Kyler a day at a time, so is Jonathan Gannon. Everything's a day at a time. You know, we want to practice and do everything we can today and we'll worry about tomorrow when tomorrow comes um and being asked about hey you know about the next offense you're about to face what do you feel and he said i truthfully haven't watched a whole lot of them right now them being the the Ravens. So hey, I'm I'm surprised, but then again, again, knowing him and, and knowing what he says and what what he does, you're not surprised. But it just it kind of caught me off guard. I'm not not gonna lie. Secondary will face going against him and his receivers. Yeah. A, a big one. Speaking of what did you think of how he translated from the classroom what he learned in the classroom to the field? Did a really good job. Really pleased. Anytime you turn on college or, or NFL games, you see quarterbacks running. And you've talked about how important that is, that mobility. Do you see a place for a pocket passer in, in, you know, in the future of this game? Yeah. A guy maybe can move around a little bit yeah. in the pocket, but not, he's not going to take yeah. off and get you. Yeah, there's places for those guys. I think that... You know, whatever your the skill set of the quarterback is, it's up to the coaches to put him in the best position possible to accentuate his skill set. So um, there's a lot of different ways to play quarterback at a really high level. I've been around a lot of different ones to the future of the game, not sure, um, as the game keeps evolving and changing and all those things. But I know that um, it's hard to defend guys with that type of skill set, but it was also hard to defend Drew Brees and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning too. So, you know, um, I think it really doesn't matter your skill set. How good is your skill set? And that's what makes it hard to defend guys. Do you have any idea how quickly you'll let Kyler use his leg once he plays? Uh, when he's 
when he's out there, we're going to utilize his skill set. Much of it is a concern sometimes with those running guys, whoever it is, that they put themselves at risk. Yeah, that's a good question. Anytime they they become a ball carrier, they are at risk. So you got to be careful with that. You know what I mean? And I mean, it's it's some of that is how you design the plays. Some of that is them being smart, what you're trying to get out of the plays. Um, you know, the different situations that come up in a game with that. Um, but you don't want to take unnecessary shots. But you say that, but when you call a design quarterback a run, you know that he's a ball carrier and he's going to get tackled. So uh, there's a healthy blend of that. That's a really good question. I think another thing that that maybe he would add, but I'll add to it, is, you know, yes, it's utilizing what the skill set of the quarterback is, and yes, it's the play call and the execution of it all. And, and when you are a ball carrier – um, there's a possibility of, of being tackled, being hit or injured. Um, and you do have to be smart, but, um, I, I think you can't play scared either. Um, you know, you, if the quarterback you have is very mobile, like a Josh Dobbs and a Kyler Murray, then you need to, you know, say, Hey, go for it. You know, but be smart, and you can't you can't play scared. Can't play scared. Uh, Kaiser where Kaiser Weir Kaiser White also spoke to the uh, media uh, yesterday as well. Kaiser, with uh, where you guys are as a, as a team right now, like, what's the mentality in there? And, and as a leader, what do you what do you preach at this point in the season? Um, the mentality is, you know, let's just keep taking it uh, day by day, step by step, and, uh, you know, just keep getting better. And as a leader, uh, you know, just showing up, going to work every day. Um, you know, ain't nobody throwing a talent. You know, even though we won in six, we still like what we got in the locker room. I know it might sound, you know, crazy to you guys, but I don't feel no, no type of way where it's like, uh, you know, guys don't want to be here or don't want to play. I think each and every week we get more antsy to just go back out there on Sunday and, uh, keep trying to prove ourselves right and people wrong. Does it not get frustrating to an extent knowing that you believe that the product what you have in the locker room is what you guys are fighting for, but once it gets to Sunday, it hasn't been able to kind of be put together for those 60 minutes? Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating, but, you know, uh, we've still got uh, 10 weeks left for sure, so, uh, you know, the season ain't over. What if we go on a 10-game win streak? Then what? Wallace said last week that Buddha is an eliminator. How did his play affect yours, just having him back out there and everything? Oh, yeah, you know, I feel like he got the best motor in the NFL um, of all positions. Like, you know, he's not the biggest guy, uh, might not be the strongest, fastest, but uh, he just real relentless. And, uh, you know, just knowing you got a, a guy like that uh, running behind you, you know, I could miss a tackle, and I, I know Buddha's going to clean it up for me. So, yeah, it feel good to have him out there. I'm definitely glad he's uh, back. You have a lot of moving pieces right now on defense because of injuries and, and different stuff. What kind of pride do you have in a game like you guys had yesterday where you're having, you know, big red zone stops and, and you probably yeah. did enough to win that game? Yeah, I mean, uh, just the mentality is, you know, bend on break. Uh, you know, it might be times where we're not playing good as a defense and the offense picks us up. And it might be times where the offense maybe not clicking how they should be. And we got to pick them up. So uh, when they got down there, you know, we just wanted to, you know, pick them up and, uh 
uh, force the you know field goal and uh, give them another crack at it. Um, just try to play complimentary football and uh, you know just just do our part. When you were watching video today, did you watch the play where you looked like you almost had the pick? It looked oh, like you might yeah. have pick six. That's crazy. I, I never really uh, dropped things like that, but you know. Uh, that's just getting laxy daisy. I should be on the jugs every day. Um, you know, I caught that one on the Cowboys. Now I think it's automatic, but obviously it ain't. So, uh, you know, I just got to get back to the drawing board and uh, just, you know, just do extra work after practice, just, you know, working on catching the ball. You got a team with uh, a lot of offensive weapons coming into town this week. Starting with the quarterback, which represents all kinds of troubles. What are your thoughts about facing him and that offense? Oh, yeah, you know, he's a real um, electric player. Uh, you know, he could do a lot uh, with his feet and uh, with his arm. So I just feel like, you know, all 11, you know, we got to get to the ball. We got to play fast and uh, try to disguise, you know, make make looks hard for him, things like that. Have you guys done against guys who could make plays at quarterback with their feet? Um, I feel like we did well so far. You know, we could always do better. But, uh, you know, I don't feel like we've seen a quarterback like Lamar Jackson yet. Um, and we want to go out there on Sunday and show him a defense he hasn't seen yet. So, Kaiser, is there anything you can take from earlier in your career when maybe the Chargers weren't so good? Did you learn anything? Yeah, from I've been time? here before. That's why it's not really, uh, you know, it sucks, of course. But uh, I've been here before um, with the Chargers. Last year was really the only year I was going to every game, knowing we really going to win. Uh, with the Chargers, we had the pieces, but you know, it was just injuries and up and down. So, you know, I've, I've been here before, and. Uh, you know, all you can really do is just keep working, man. I mean, complaining and crying, I ain't going to help nobody. So uh, just get up each and every day and, and, you know, get ready to work. Have you seen any teammates, like, go through these low, a low spot where you got to say, hey, no, you can't do that. You got to stay with us. Yeah, I mean, we all human, so we all get down at times. So uh, we we all pick each other up. You know what I mean? Uh, I was down on myself about missing that pick, and, you know, my teammates picked me up and just told me, you know, move on next play. So yeah, I mean, we human, so it's definitely gonna happen. But you know, we we got each other's back for sure. What's it like working with the? You have such young cornerbacks, and I mean, Starling played yesterday. Keytrell's been playing. Is that is that hard to have so much youth back there, or is it just? Nah, I ain't hard. I like it because I remember being a young guy again, thrown into the fire as a rookie. I didn't really know what I was doing at linebacker. It was my first time, and I feel like. I was like a chicken running around with my head cut off. So uh, it's, it's dope to see because, you know, uh, they might mess some things up, which is granted, you know, we all mess things up. But I feel like they fearless out there, especially, you know, Sterling, uh, Keytrail, um, just all the corners in general. But especially the younger guys, I feel like they just fearless. They'll get beat and uh, still come playing aggressive and things like that. So, And they play the hardest, uh, in my opinion, the hardest position on the field on uh, defense. So. You know, they're going to get beat. You know, they might lock up for 50 plays and get beat on one. And I was, oh, you got a bad game because you got beat for 40 yards. All right, well, what about the other 49 plays I had good? You know what I mean? It's a hard position. So, uh, yeah, I feel like we got a good group. How important has been the consistency? You've been on the field for every single play. For, for you, as you've been developing with this linebacker position, how important has that consistency been to, to be on the field every play? Uh, yeah, it means a lot to me, man. Uh, Definitely times, you know, I might get a little tired out there and I look to the sideline a little bit. But, uh, yeah, man, it mean a lot to me. Uh, just just a pride thing. Uh, I plan on not missing a snap all year, uh, God willing. But, yeah, it definitely means a lot to me.
All right, that's uh, Kaiser White, and that's uh, pretty much everything uh, Cardinals. We do have one more thing we're going to go with and uh, go to uh, Arizona Sports, their YouTube page, Wolf and Luke, talking about just all the missed opportunities that the Cardinals uh, uh, keep on uh, missing out on uh, that's biting them in the butt. The Cardinals, another disappointing finish to a game yesterday and I, and I I mean that in both senses of the word right disappointing means okay it didn't end right disappointing also means you, they got your hopes up for a little bit they were leading in Seattle yesterday at one point and just again cannot score in the second half that's been a huge issue for them specifically the fourth quarter this season they've been outscored 67 to 7 in the fourth quarter I had to do that math on my own I needed like six calculators and an abacus to figure it out so that's not great being outscored 67 to 7 in the fourth quarter. But also, Wolf, yesterday in particular, they had their opportunities and they came away from those opportunities. One drive started at the 15. Yeah. No. Seattle's 15. Yes, exactly. With zero points. It's just honestly, right now, they were missed opportunities by the Arizona Cardinals, ladies and gentlemen. They had their opportunity to go out and win a game and they just couldn't do it. And, you know, I'll start with the biggest thing, of course, being plus three in the turnover column. That typically means you're going to win the game 90.7% of the time, ladies and gentlemen. 90.7, 91% of the time, you're going to win the game when you are plus three in the turnover column. And we all know that was not the case. That really hurt. That was a missed opportunity right there. And by the way, those were opportunities that were created by the Arizona Cardinals in their defense. Going out there, their special teams, causing fumbles on the ground. Now, I realize that you had a guy like Geno Smith fumble a snap, but at the same time, hey, he could have fell, he could have fell on that ball as well, right? He could have done that. Um, he didn't. You actually had some guys like Kevin Strong make a huge impact on that play, and that's the reason why they recovered the ball. Listen, to me, they create their own chances. Every defense does that. And they had the opportunity to win that game because their defense balled out and turned over the Seattle Seahawks three times. That was not the case. It was good to see what you're saying right there, that the defense like the defense hasn't gotten discouraged. It's not like they've lost their edge a little bit. You know, the first couple games of the season, they were you know, certainly the Washington game, and then even for the first half of the Giants game, and then a huge part of that Dallas game, they were the talk of the town here with just like, okay, what the defense is like way ahead of schedule. And then a bunch of the defensive line players get hurt and Buda Baker goes out. And at some point in there, Jalen Thompson gets hurt too. And they were already thin and they're losing players. Mm -hmm. They get Buda back, uh, you know, but uh, like the San Francisco game, you'll write that off and say it was San Francisco. And even Cincinnati, Cincinnati got going in that game. But the last couple games, the defense hadn't looked as good and hadn't been as opportunistic as they were yesterday. And yes, Geno Smith is not Tom Brady in his prime. He's not Patrick Mahomes. But, I mean, Seattle keeps winning games. And you were in Seattle, and your defense did more than give you a chance to win. They almost won it for you. Yes. If the, if the Cardinals had won that game yesterday 24-20 to 20 or something, or 23-20 in overtime, we'd be talking about how the defense won the game for them. Yeah. No, you're right about that. And also, too, missed opportunities. Yelled to Froholt. Snapped the ball over the head of Josh Dobbs. On a first and ten at the Seattle 15, you know, 
right there, you're thinking touchdown, ladies and gentlemen. You're thinking, hey, listen, first and 10 on their 15, we got to get this thing in. We got to get it in. Now, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to get it in. But first and 10 on the 15 is a great situation to be in, and you don't get it in, and then you miss the field goal. It was because of that snap over the head that just destroyed him right there, and then you miss the field goal. You're not getting any points out of that situation when you thought you would at least get three points. Missed opportunities by the Arizona Bengals. Yeah, you're definitely thinking when you get the ball to start their drive on their 15, you're thinking, okay, it's we've already got three. <laughs> Can we get seven? That's This is Jonathan Gannon uh, postgame talking about the fact that they just did not capitalize on Seattle's turnovers. Yeah, we just got to find some rhythm there. You know, I think they did a de- great credit to Seattle's defense. You know, they're a good defense, but got to find some rhythm in the run game a little bit because um, we, we made some plays in the run game. Just got to be a little more consistent. And the pass game takes all 11. We got to do a better job throwing the ball. Now, this is the other part, and you can't measure this, Wolf, but of value to Kyler Murray coming back, whether it's this week or next week or even the Atlanta game. The defense has played well enough where they should be better than one and six. Now, I'm not saying the offense maybe hasn't either in some of those games, but the defense has played better than than one and six would indicate over the course of the season. Sure. If it was just kind of like, yeah, this is the way it's going to go. You know, there's, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Nothing's going to change. You do wonder if they would start to kind of, not like they wouldn't, be trying but just like if that edge starts to disappear a little bit okay well we got 10 more of these games and the offense is going to score 10 points each week Man. at least kyler coming back is a jolt of something so you, you don't lose deal. that no you're right about that it's absolutely a big deal that kyler murray will be coming back at some point in time sooner hopefully than later will be coming back and that is the jolt that i think this team will need and it's going to be fascinating to watch whether or not Kyler Murray is going to evolve his game, both personally and, of course, collectively with this team. Very interested in that. But he missed opportunities going back to it once again. How about the fake punt on fourth down where Clayton Toon attempted his first NFL pass <laughs> ever? It seemed a little wonky at the time. I had no problem with attempting the fake. I didn't. I had a problem with the execution of the fake. <laughs> And yeah. what happened on that? He would, they need nine yards, and they threw it like four? <laughs> the pass was thrown to a covered receiver, that being Michael Wilson, of course, well before the sticks. Yeah. Fourth and nine, and you gained four yards on the play. That was a miss. And, I, I, you know, it happens from time to time. But that was an opportunity that was missed. And, oh, by the way, Seattle capitalized off that miss kicked a field goal that made it a two possession game yeah with 217 to go the other in the game the other part of that play and maybe it's just because Toon got the ball and threw it so quickly but you go back and watch it like nobody got past the first down marker in in how quickly the play happened you know what I mean it's not like oh he threw it four yards but they had a guy running free down the field 20 yards like they just didn't have there was nowhere he was going to throw that quickly where they were getting a first down yeah you know what um there, there had to be there had to be something else, and uh, he, there had to be another read. It wasn't just to Michael Wilson. There had to be something else right there. And anyways, it just didn't – they didn't execute. And that was a missed opportunity, and it was an opportunity that cost them because it was a two-possession game at that point. And this is not a game where the final score was 35-13, to 13, where it's like, yeah, okay, but those three points that they really hurt or these three – yeah, I mean, the final score is 20-10. to 10. 
<laughs> you're leaving seven points on the board or 10 points on the board and you're giving Seattle another three. Yeah, that was that was the game. Here's Jonathan Gannon afterwards, just his overview of the game overall. Good hard-fought game. Didn't make enough plays there to win. A um, couple turning points in the game. Um, let me give them credit. They made some plays there. I thought we battled. We just I just told them, though, today or in the locker room there, we just got to battle a little bit better. But I uh, like the fight from them, and uh, we'll go back to work tomorrow. You know, everyone, of course, is screaming about J.G. and his staff and not making needed adjustments at the half, and that is something that uh, they need to monitor base and audience to improve on. But don't act like it's the end-all, be-all. Please don't do that. Execution of schemes by skulls is the end-all, be-all. That's what it is. Execution of schemes by skulls. Everyone, you know, it's the scheme, the scheme. Make adjustments. Listen, can I? No. No. Go out and do your job. Scheme doesn't win games. Skulls win games. You can have the worst play possibly called for a certain situation. The worst play. And one guy makes a play and and destroys the play. Just absolutely. One guy makes a play and all of a sudden you, you got the ball and you're going the other way. Or vice versa. You can just flip it around as well, man. I mean, it. you could have the, the best play call for an offense. Oh, this is going to work. This is guaranteed. One guy from the defense makes a play, and you're a host. It just skulls playing the game of football, win games. It's the player, not the play. Isn't that right, Bill Belichick? Yeah, that is correct. So, um, and I agree, of course, with everything I said. It's just, just uh, not going very well uh, for the Cardinals or ASU. They both have to get it fixed. Uh, one, one team that things are going pretty well, um, other than the Diamondbacks, well, is the Coyotes. And we'll get into them very briefly. Uh, up next on Big Sky Sports Talk, unofficially presented by Muya Billings. To add to the busyness of uh, today, um, the Coyotes will, will will play the Kings, so it'll be um, the Diamondbacks. At six, or just a little couple minutes after six, Mountain Standard Time, uh, Suns at the Warriors at eight p.m. on TNT, and then uh, ESPN Plus uh, eight thirty. Um, Coyotes at the Kings. But before we really kind of dwell too much on um, any of that, we're gonna talk about the Coyotes and and what they did. Against the the Ducks and and the, that being um, a a win, um, and uh, uh, giving them uh, three and two on the uh, on the season, um, they scored in the first and the second. And that's all they needed. Seven, uh, the seventeen forty one mark on a power play, 
with Zucker and uh, Valamaki on the assist. And then at the 14.01 mark, Clayton Keller with Nick Smoltz on the assist, 2-0. And then um, the Ducks scored on their power play at the 7.47 mark. Uh, the Coyotes were, uh, had 27 shots on goal with 16 block shots um, and 26 face-offs won. Uh, Ducks, 33 shots on goal with also 16 blocked shots and 18 face-offs won. Uh, power play opportunities. Uh, Coyotes didn't do as great as they did uh, previously. They had five and they got one. Ducks had three and they got one. Um, Ducks had eight penalties for 19 minutes. Coyotes had six for 15. Um Ducks had two takeaways and five giveaways, and the Coyotes had uh, six takeaways and um, 12 giveaways. Uh, Here is um, a quick recap of the game, uh, courtesy of the NHL YouTube page. So the McBain line will open up for the Coyotes. Liam O'Brien and Alex Kerfoot were underway. Settle back and enjoy this afternoon hockey in the desert. And playing it in is Kerfoot to the front and just sent wide. Oh, big Jack McBain was there as the Coyotes try to create the pressure. And they were all over the Blues in the offensive third of the ice on Thursday night in St. Louis. Yeah, this is how they started the game in St. Louis as well. Don't change a thing. Bouncing puck in front. Great look there, J.J. Moser. And the puck will be cleared out as Strom will get it to center ice and the Coyotes will look to corral it. And that was the, the biggest thing that I noticed in that game against the Blues. Utter domination in that one, but it was the pressure all over the ice that Andre Turney loved from his group in the neutral zone, in the offensive zone, forcing turnovers. And those turnovers, they turned into goals. Now the top unit is out. Nick Smaltz, he had a big game in St. Louis. Barrett Hayton will try to set it up near his side. Good key to the line, Matt Dumba. Cleared away. Leo Carlson trying to split the defense. The bright young rookie, second overall last June behind Connor Bedard. Got his first goal the other night for Anaheim as this one will be taken away and the Coyotes will get it right back. Two center, Keller over the line. And taken away as the Ducks will clear into the corner. And they want to bring it out. Troy Terry. He signed a big deal for Anaheim in the offseason and the puck will be Bukestad with it to the line. Stetcher towards the front just wide. Balamaki for Kraus. Kraus with a shot. And hit his own teammate Bukestad. Kraus the last man back on the blue line with a big slapper. Old school. <laughs> Expect a big night here. This is a perfect game for a guy like Lawson Kraus. You'd love to see him get going offensively. He put a point four goals last year. Yet without a point this season. Trevor Zegris. And now Leo Carlson cuts to the front. He shoots. Oh, what a backhand save. Vamelka. Now into the corner it goes. What a play there by Carlson. Big Swede, 6-3 with a six set of mitts. And you just saw him there. He will continue to grow. He'll continue to put on weight. And they've got a good one in Anaheim. And Leo Carlson turned the other way. And that's still stall out to play it. 
McBain that time trying to run over Troy Terry. Puck comes out high for Matt Dumba. And now Keller. Keller looking around. Try to work it back. Both defense. So the Ozone faceoff for Arizona. Coyotes. Second unit out there right now as Michelle will spot Valimaki across. Zucker with a shot and a goal! Jason Zucker goals in back-to-back -back games. Little D to D up high. Zucker wants it. Bob, he gets it right in the wheelhouse. Not sure if this was redirected in front or not. But he uses the defenseman as a screen, and that one just squeaks in. Game winner. It was, a, it was a big one. So here we go. Penalty kill out to begin the period. Travis Dermott will send all the way down where Dostal will play it along. I'll give the Ducks team nothing good to feel about here. Trevor Zegers will bring it out. It's Dumba Dermott out there with Jack McBain and Alex Kerfoot to kill off the remaining time of the Ducks power play. Back out high it goes. Now Minjikov, the young Russian defenseman, comes across. Here's Zegras. He shoots. Stop that time, Bamelka. Loose in front. Carlson trying to poke it in behind. Zegras with a shot. That might have hit Iron. Yeah, that went right off the pipe. Leo Carlson now. Zegras, all sorts of urgency here for Anaheim. Across it goes. Terry's shot. That's deflected wide. All right, Carlson right there in front. This is a good-looking power play here. Will Carlson holding on to it. He's going to be a fixture in Anaheim for years. Minchikov. Now Troy Terry. Let's take away momentarily by Kerfoot. Forced back out high, and Zegers has it across. And they had Carlson in front, but they couldn't get him the puck. Troy Terry. Or excuse me, Strom. Comes across. Zegers, what a block. Dermott. Rebound in front. Try to put it home and set wide by Zegers, and the penalty is over. Oh, what a kill there by the Coyotes. They bet they didn't break. A couple massive blocks, some big stops by their goaltender, Corral Bamelka. Moved along and set right back in. Chance here, Leeson shoots past save Bamelka. Bamelka oh, made that look so easy. Back out high, delayed call. Schmaltz has it. They've got big loss and Krause in the middle. Oh, that was touched. No control, though. Star Keller! Oh, what a beauty! It's 2 nothing. Get out for the goaltender, Corral Bamelka, and the Coyotes just zip this thing around. Nothing left in the tank. Well, the Anaheim Ducks, let's see if this goes off something in front. Oh my, what a shot. And this building is jumping. Troy Terry will play it back out high. Brad Kogudis, and now he'll get it back because he sends one towards the front. Covered by Vamelka. Zucker will not return either, lower body, so uh, two big pieces of this group. Out for the remainder of this afternoon as we get a whistle here on an icing call. Well, hopefully nothing serious or long-term for this Coyotes group. They're just starting to click. Tony got his first goal of the season. It was a beauty in St. Louis. And how about the importance of Zucker, what he has meant to this Coyotes group, leadership in that locker room, on the bench, on the ice.
and the two goals as well yeah. fit in perfectly. Now power play goals for Zucker in back-to-back -back games as Labushkin sent one over the top. Hadn't done that since October of 2017. Parties will look to move it out, and here they come. Barrett Hayden, that opportunity for other players to get some ice time. Absolutely, as Keller will look to move it along. Carrick is there. And Clayton Keller falls down, comes across, and Cooley! 2-0 Coyotes, Jason Zucker is second, Clayton Keller is third. Henrique brings it in, drops it to the front, and Matrano has scored! And it's 2-1. That is an absolute monster of a goal by that man right there, Vitrano. Far side. Good speed to the neutral. And untouched. Vitrano back door. And he just tucks it in short side on Karelpa Malka, who couldn't get over in time. Under the glove. Massive face-off here. Bukestad against Henrique. Off the draw. Coyotes control. Play behind the net. Keller looking up. Ice. Henrique's got it. 12 seconds to go. Sent back in by Leo Carlson. Behind the net. Dumba. Just trying to get it out. He will. All the way back. Keller trying to chase it down. He sent it wide. That's going to do it. Coyotes are going to win their home opener. And don't look now. Yeah, uh, good stuff. Uh, winning the home opener. And what I believe before they cut it off, don't look now. Coyotes are um, just, let's see, one game back from of... Uh, Dallas for second place in the central. They are three and two. Um, Dallas is uh, uh, three and zero oh and one. They had the overtime loss, and that that's that overtime loss scores them the extra point, and that's what puts uh, Dallas above uh, the Coyotes. Um, even though. Coyotes have played um, more more games, so I mean, it was uh, just a uh, a game or so ago that were they were, you know the um, what fifth sixth best team in the central. Now they're the third best team in the central. Uh, they are um, the one two three. Fifth best team in the Western Conference, um, and uh, quite a bit of ways in in the league. But they are they're playing pretty good hockey right now. Um, they've won two in a row. Uh, playing uh, tonight against the Kings, a getaway game, and then they finish out the month at home. Um, one against the Kings at home and then against the Blackhawks at home. And that, that will finish out the month of October. Uh, so Coyotes, they're, they're playing so far a lot better than, than uh, 
where they were last year and just kind of pick picking up where they left off at the end of last year um which that that was uh that was the hope um but uh as i said brief coyotes now the rest of the podcast all uh diamondbacks uh with one loss and of course the uh, game six win that ties it up and force game seven. That all that and more is all up next on Big Sky Sports Talk, unofficially presented by Muya Billings. Well, uh, until game five, uh, both teams won every game at home, uh, but. The last game, which was game five for the Diamondbacks at home, they lost six to one. Um, it was uh, two runs in the first uh, and uh, two more in the sixth. Alec Thomas would hit a homer to right, making it 4 1. And uh, Romito uh, gets another in the eighth. Uh, Diamondbacks, uh, Zach Allen, another um, bad start. Um, you'd like to think that he would have better starts and shoot if he had better starts, you series might be done with. But he went six innings, gave up six hits, four earned runs, two walks, a strikeout. Uh, Miguel Castro went an inning, gave up one hit, uh, walked one, and had two strikeouts. Joe Mantiply, two-thirds of an inning, and a strikeout. Brios, uh, a third of an inning, one hit, one on run. Uh, Slade Ciccone finished it off with one inning, one hit, um, and a strikeout. Corbin Carroll went one for four. Ketel Marte, one for four. Gabby Moreno, one for four. Christian Walker, one for four. Pavin Smith as a DH, over oh four. Uh, Loris Guerrero Jr., one for four. Alec Thomas, one for four. Uh, Evan Longoria 0 for 3 and uh, Perdomo 2 for 4 um, Diamondbacks 1 run on 8 hits 2 errors Philly 6 runs on 9 hits no errors Zach Wheeler with the win Zach Gallen with the loss and uh, here is how it all went down the Philadelphia Phillies and the Arizona Diamondbacks, two teams that came out of the wild card series, currently tied at two games apiece with a trip to the World Series on the line. Inside, they are roaring loud. 50,000 in the ballpark today, another sellout. All home teams have won their games, and we've got a marquee matchup on the mound tonight, Ronnie. The Aces are back, Zach Gallen and Zach Wheeler. Gallen's got to be able to match Wheeler. He loves to just go in and fire fastballs early, get ahead, and then flip that knuckle curveball in. I think he's going to have to be a little more judicious. And don't be surprised if Wheeler has one of his Wheeler games that Wheeler goes seven. Zach Gallen is hoping for a reboot and hoping Chase Field is the proper medicine for him. Yeah. All right, here we go. Schwarber digs in. Lance Barksdale says, let's go. 2-1, Squibber towards third, and that's going to work out as Schwarber will hit it to the vacated third baseman spot. He's got himself an infield hit to start the ball game. A little different than his uh, leadoff hit in game one. Bryce Harper gets booed in every ballpark 
out of respect. Prefers it that way. Line back up the middle. Absolute bullet. Harper undressing Gallon. And a single to center field. Two hits in this first inning for the Phillies. So here's Bryson Stott, who's just two for his last 20. Striking out at a remarkable clip now here in the postseason again, as he did last year. That's here with two on and two out. And that ball's lined to right. That's down a base hit. Schwarber's going to be sent home. Throw to the plate from Carroll up the line. And the Phillies strike first here in game five as Bryson Stott, a clutch two out RBI single, one to nothing Philadelphia. The 0 1. Stott takes off. He's in a rundown. Harper coming home. Throw to the plate. Gets by. A collision. Moreno is down. Ball is loose. Stott ends up at third base. Moreno, who has been in concussion protocol in this postseason took a shot from Bryce Harper coming in to score. Harper is in. It is two to nothing. Stott with a stolen base. He'll go to third. And it looks like Moreno is going to remain in this game. JT Real Muto with Stott over at third base. Well, this is exactly the start the Philadelphia Phillies wanted here today. And a ground ball to short. Nice play for Domo. Here's his throw to first, and he got Walker, and he saved a run right there. That ball was smoked. Perdomo made a nice backhanded play going to his right got up and made a strike throw to Walker. He has been the number one option for the Phillies and might be the number one option in these playoffs right now. Zach Wheeler is an ace of aces outside. He walked it and a leadoff walk. Carroll advances to second drove in the winning run yesterday in the eighth inning. Diamondbacks flip the scoreboard as he sends one out past Turner into left center. Carroll went back to the bag and now he will advance to third. Moreno stays hot. The Diamondbacks have made a lot of mistakes on the bases. You have to identify where the shortstop is. That was to the left of Carroll. He's got to go to third yeah. base on that and he would have scored. And a pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. And a big out to get with runners at the corners. Now two gone. Now Paven Smith gets a start at DH tonight. He is three for four so far. Breaking ball grounded to first. Harper spears it. Down on his knees, he's got it, he'll get up and go to first, and the Diamondbacks do not score. Nice play by Bryce Harper. So Zach Gallen has given up three hits and a walk already, and now the number eight hitter, one of the Phillies' hottest hitters in Brandon Marsh. On the ground, chance to turn it here. Marte steps on the back, throw to first, in time, a double play. Marte, the former shortstop, still got a great arm. And a 4-3 double play to wipe out a leadoff walk. Here's a ground ball to first. Diving play, Walker gets up, flips to Gallon for the out at first. A couple of nice plays in the inning by the Diamondbacks, and the Phillies are down. So we'll go to the bottom of the second. Philadelphia 2, D-backs nothing. The importance of this inning for Zach Gallon second time around. It's not only the importance, being down two runs, he's got to show that he can get through this part of the lineup because if he doesn't, that's going to be a long day. And a cold strike three. And Turner is livid. Lance Barksdale showing some restraint right here. Regular season game, he might have run him. Bouncing ball. Longoria is over there, the third baseman. Oh, my goodness, what a pick by Walker. He saves a lot of errors. Christian Walker just saved Longoria from one right there. Beat it into the ground. Zach Wheeler back to work here as we start the third inning. Number nine hitter Geraldo Perdomo will lead off. 
Swing at a miss. He got him. The big curve. Verdomo strikes out. Carroll swings and lines one back up the middle of base head. Corbin Carroll needed to see one go through, and he finally does. Now you got Barte up there as a tied run here on the third with one man out. Marte to left. Marsh going back. He's got it for the out. And Moreno drives one to left right at Marsh and a line drive out. Wheeler's got another zero on the board. Walker struck out his first time up. He has had a uh, rough league championship series and hopefully it stays that way. Wheeler deals an 0-2 and did he go? Looked like it. He does go. And Walker strikes out. Walker's in a mighty slump right now. Wheeler's not the kind of guy to break out of a slump against. 0 for 2, 2 Ks for Christian Walker. Yeah, the two strike pitch to Smith. Swing and a miss, and that's the filth right there. He got him with a slider. Five strikeouts for Wheeler. And two gone here in the fourth inning. Now sees his lineup turnover for a third time. And a fly ball. Deep right center field. This one is way back, and Rojas runs it down. Johan Rojas covering some ground in center field. Carroll gave it a ride. Tays on the first pitch. Stop. Look at this play. Spin the throw. And it's in time for the out. Bryson Stott showing some gold glove form right there. It'll be Kyle Schwarber to lead it off to the Phillies. High drive. Way back. Right field. Schwarber does it again. An absolute bomb out of here. Kyle Schwarber. His fifth home run of this championship series makes it three to nothing Phillies. Incredible power off the bat of Kyle Schwarber. Remember we said he was born to hit bombs. <laughs> 114 off the bat. Schwarber most home runs in NLCS history now with 11. Harper is one for two. They're booing him with each pitch. Swing and oh. a blast deep to right center field. That'll go past Schwarber's. A solo home run for Bryce Harper. It's the second homer of the inning for the Phils. And they now lead it 4-0. I guess he's going to get something to hit there. I guess so. What a batting practice display as Harper looks over into the third base crowd, waves it to the Phillies crowd. 444 feet at wow. 112 miles an hour. Oh, my. Here is Walker. He's probably had the toughest day at the office of all. Swing and a ground ball inside the left field line. That's a fair ball. Walker rounding first on his way to second. And a one-out double for a guy who desperately needed it. And a swing and a miss. And Wheeler, a big strikeout. That was his best breaking ball. 90-mile-an-hour slider. Two outs now. Runner at third for Guriel. Swing and a ball drilled to center. Rojas back, and he will make the catch. Big inning for Wheeler. Six shutout. He's had 10 games started in the last couple of years, and he's moved up where right now in the postseason, he's the best pitcher. He is. Wheeler back to work, facing Alec Thomas to start it, and a drive into right field. Thomas will send this one out of here. He's done it again. Alec Thomas. Puts the Diamondbacks on the board for the first time. How about Alec Thomas? 103 miles an hour off the bat. Just a solid line drive. Slider that was sweeping inside to him, and he just crushed that ball. 
Here's a swing and a hot shot towards second. Diving Stott, he's got it. Gets up, throws from the grass, he got him. Another great play by Bryson Stott at second base as he takes a hit away from Perdomo. That ball looked like it had no chance to be caught. There's the 1-1. And a swing and a pop-up. This should end the inning. Castellanos coming in from right field, and he's waiting, and he's got it. And Zach Wheeler gives up the home run here, but he's got seven strong innings in the books. Two outs in the eighth. Nice to see him get something up the middle here. Real Muto, high fly ball deep in the left field. This is way back there and gone. JT Real Muto, a two-run blast. Six to one Phillies as the all-star catcher delivers a big blow here in game five. You're going to get fastball slider from Frias and he hung a slider to Real Muto. It's Jeff Hoffman out of the bullpen to get the eighth. 34 total pitches in the last two games, 25 yesterday. Marte is 0 for 3 tonight. He's got a 13-game hitting streak on the line. Marte, fly ball right field. Castellanos can't get there. A base hit. Marte's hitting streak continues. 14 in a row to start a postseason career for Marte. He's one off the record now. Moreno's got a hit tonight. He's one for three. There's Moreno. A swing at him as Hoffman strikes him out. Nasty breaking ball from Hoffman. Out number one. One out, and here comes Walker. Walker, little flare. Stott eased his back, and he's got it for the out. Two gone. David Smith got a start as the DH tonight. He's 0 for 3 with a couple of strikeouts. Swing and a ground ball to second. Stott down to a knee, gobbles it up, throws to first. Sides retired. A score to eight for Jeff Hoffman. No runs, a hit, one left. We're going to the ninth. And it's going to be Sir Anthony Dominguez. He'll take over this ninth inning. He'll try to finish this one off and send Philadelphia back to Citizens Bank Park. One went away from a World Series. First ball swinging right to Marsh. He's got it. Out number one. One pitch and one out. Thomas, a swing and a miss. Dominguez made him look bad. Two outs. Here's ball four outside. He walked it. Diamondbacks down to their last out. Two comeback wins in games three and four. Dominguez to Perdomo and a ground ball back to the mound. Off the pitcher. He'll go for an infield hit to put runners at first and third. And now Thompson on his way out. Corbin Carroll coming up. Philly Skipper is going to play matchup here with two outs. Trying to quell this two out rally by the Diamondbacks. So Dominguez, two thirds of an inning. Strom gets the ball here to face the lefty Carroll. Carroll, did he go? Yes, he did. A strikeout to end the ball game. The Phillies win game five. Matt Strom finishes it off. The Phillies up 3 2. Yeah, that's uh, that was a tough feeling knowing that you were down and your back are, backs are against the wall going into uh, yesterday's game. Corbin Carroll, man, the last uh, out and um, has not had a, a great series. In fact, he's looked like a rookie um, this series. Um, Bickley Murata. Uh, before yesterday's game, their show was on and um, kind of, you know, you're you're kind of feeling, oh, man, well, your backs are against the wall. One more Phillies win and you're out of it. And, and they, they had kind of a sentimental thought going into uh, today's game that, that, that I somewhat have been echoing for for a little while. Uh, 
um, shared on the show, but they 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 had the thought. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Blast. No matter what happens tonight, the Diamondbacks need to remember. They need to remember what Chase Field sounded like during the October of 2023. There was the clinching game against the Dodgers and the thunderous chance of beat L.A. There were three consecutive nights against the Phillies, including a Friday night for the ages. There was a real buzz and a real home field advantage in a stadium that I have grown to despise over the years, a stadium that has been called a morgue and an airplane hangar and much, much worse. But during this month, the stadium has sounded so fresh and so hot that the broadcast actually referred to Chase Field as a new modern ballpark. Can you believe that? They need to remember that this town is starving and not just for a winner because we have that in the Suns. We want more winners. We want options. We want diversity of success. And it's a lot easier for Valley fans to get into a 48,000-seat base baseball stadium than for a playoff game than it is at Footprint Center. And they need to remember that these playoff games prove this baseball team has struck a chord, the right chord. And they need to reward Tori Lavello with a new contract because Lavello has been one of the breakout stars of the playoffs. And they need to reward Mike Hazen with a big chunk of payroll to make this team whole, to give this team the pieces they need to turn an underdog into a world champion in 20. 24. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW. Make luxury attainable. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. 3-2 pitch coming. And a fly ball deep right center field. He has done it. This game is tied on a pitch hit home run by Alec Thomas. Up Kimbrell in the eighth. 5-5 five, five game. Alvarado ready. Marino digs in. And a shot to left center. That's a hit. D-backs lead. Other runner goes to third. Marino delivers in the clutch. It's 6-5 Arizona. Gabby Marino took a 3-1 pitch and drilled it between the center fielder Rojas and Marsh to put the Diamondbacks on top. Is that the sound you were referring to, Vic? Yeah. <laughs> that uh, and, the, and, the, that, and the explosion oh. after the Paul Seawald strikeout oh, to, to end unbelievable. it. And then, the, then people hanging out in the concourse area chanting, let's go D-backs after the game was over. Um, you said you watched the, the game at a sports bar and you kind of like walked in the exact same vibe. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about, man. It's one of the things where you don't want to go home. No. You don't want to go to sleep after it because no. you, you just want to sort of live in the buzz of that moment. That's exactly right. And everybody seemed to feel the same thing on Saturday morning. They w- woke up going, okay, um, the baseball game is until 5.07 p.m., but I wish it were like in an hour. Let's 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 start mm-hmm. pouring drinks. That that's what it was like, and and to me, for this to happen to that baseball stadium it says a couple of different things. Going into the series against the Phillies, it was my belief that this was a great opportunity for the team, not only to grow, having to play games at Citizens Bank, which is certainly an education for them. Because you look at these players, uh, are how could these guys not be better for this experience? How can Alec Thomas not be better for this experience? Mm-hmm. So you, you think about that, but then it's, then it's also the case, too, where it, it, I was hoping that the Chase Field crowd would see what Citizens Bank was like and then go, okay, we can match that. And for two nights, they did. 
the atmosphere was not the same on Saturday, and, and I don't know whether it was the slow, sluggish start of the team. I'm thinking that was mostly it. Um, but I also think there was an element of, of fans who showed up to that game like, okay, let's let's experience this great buzz, not knowing that that buzz has to come from the people in attendance. Yeah, but, again, we've talked so much about the, this postseason, not just in this series, but about the Diamondbacks getting off to fast starts. And when the top of the first results in two runs for the Phillies, including a play where the Diamondbacks looked completely discombobulated. Yep. That sucks a lot of the life out of the crowd. Even though right. Zach Gallon settled down, kept it at two nothing for a while, but it just kind of cast a pall on everything. Uh, you know, you're 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 right up the middle. Are you you're right up the middle? You're right on the money about that. <laughs> um, so I I think that I think there was a variety of factors that made Saturday disappointing, but but if you if you zoom out, getting two wins in three games against that team, um, and experience experiencing what we did. This is uh, this is four times in five nights when the vibe at Chase Field has been a distinct advantage for this baseball team. Mm-hmm. Can they use the po- yes? They looked discombobulated on Saturday. Can they use the positives of two games where they looked very combobulated? Well, I, I think I, and as like I did s- that kill like how much did Saturday kill the vibe? I, no, I, I don't see. I really like the vibe that that Tori Lovello struck after the game. It wasn't he. There was no defeat in him at all. He he was he was properly disappointed in his own team for for the game they played on yeah. Saturday. So there are no moral victories with him which I appreciate. And I think I think Tory has been fascinating. I wrote about him. You can read about it on arizonasports.com. Uh, he has really leaned into this and I've been I've been stunned at how how much on attack he's been. Friday night, uh, I never thought Garrett Stubbs. Shut up, Garrett. Garrett Stubbs. I never thought Garrett Stubbs would become a thing. But after Friday night's game, Tori Lovello called him out, not by name. He just basically let the media know, yeah, this backup catcher over there said he was going to make a beeline to our swimming pool. I'm like, wow, this guy, he's Tori's going after the media for daring to suggest the Diamondbacks were lucky to be here. Newsflash, this is an 84-win baseball team. Yeah. Okay, you're going to get some of that. But Tory's leaning into it, and Tory's been really vocal. I talked to somebody about this um, in the in the organization. Talked to a couple people actually, and and it's all by design. They know that they've got a baseball team that doesn't exactly you know tip the meter in in terms of personality and excitement. They got a lot of guys who, when they struggle, it was explained to me this way: um, we've got guys, they've got guys who, when they struggle, they retreat into more work, more work. Get ba- Instead of like some baseball teams, some baseball teams will go, you know what? L- l- let's just go out tonight. Let's let's go on a team bender. Even if we lose the next game, mm-hmm. so what? Let's go, let's go flush this and bond and grow together, that kind of stuff. So he has given this team a real voice and 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 I've really come to appreciate it. I think yeah. he's done a fabulous job. I, I know Tori's got his detractors in the valley. I think he's been great. To Jarrett's point though, you know, can you get combobulated again? Absolutely. There was no reason to believe after game two that this series would still be going on on a Monday. They had lost game two 10 nothing. They'd given up six home runs to the Phillies in the first two games. Coming home and again faced with the reality of a rookie right-hander who had trouble keeping the ball in the ballpark all year and a bullpen game. Mm. And they evened up the series. So... It doesn't always, you know, losing a game, we, we wondered, hey, the D-backs finally lost a game, then they lost two games. How are they going to respond? They responded fine. 
Um, this series is, is far from over. Now, yeah. is this going to be easy? Absolutely not. Alec Thomas uh, talked about that. You know, we've always believed in ourselves, um, you know, since day one. So, um, you know, this isn't new to us. We've we've been in a situation where we've been down before, so are in you know in the in the regular season. And uh, I know it's going to be a tough atmosphere in in Philly, but um, I believe in these guys, and we're never going to give up. There's Corbin Carroll. You know, you never want to lose. Just got to keep our head up and, you know, go attack Philly. You know, we've got Merrill on the mound tomorrow. Um, we know the kind of, you know, tone that he sets. Um, and, and we're going to follow suit on, on offense and defense. Interesting, too, going back to our conversation with Steve Gilbert. He said he fully expects Tommy Pham to be back in the lineup. A right-handed hitter against a right-handed pitcher. Pham has not been productive in this series at mm -hmm. all. <sighs> I'm not sure I'm on board. You might, I, I might be in favor of another tough decision from Tori Lovello to keep Tommy Pham on the bench and maybe save him for some late-inning pinch hitting situations. You don't trust your veteran to come back this way? I, mean, I, I, go, Pavin, back to, I go back to Tommy Pham. Yeah, I do. I, I'm not the biggest Pavin Smith fan. I, I, he did great pinch hitting, but yeah. he didn't look so good yeah. Saturday. Got three hits in the series. Tommy no, Pham's got one. I know. And I know. The, I, every hit is at that. a premium. Not arguing with that. But do you have to remember, man, Tommy Pham is a vibe. Is a vibe. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, myself included. Uh, there's a lot of fans that wasn't super excited about Tommy Pham, uh, you know, starting uh, this, this game six. But he did, you know, like I said, much to the chagrin of the fans, he did. And, and well, what do you know? He comes out and uh, hits hits a home run in the uh, in the first, uh, uh, or not in the first, in the second inning. He's the first one to get a score. Um, there were uh, three runs scored in the second. Fam, Gurriel, the next pitch, and then Longoria doubled and uh, allowed uh, uh, Alec Thomas to score. And then uh, Marsh uh, hit a single, and um, uh, JT Romilto scored. It's 3-1 in the second. Marte tripled, and Corbin Carroll scored. It's 4-1, and then in the seventh, Cattell Marte singles, and Perdomo scores 5-1. Uh, Merrill Kelly was uh, fantastic last night. Five innings, uh, three hits, one earned run, three walks, and eight strikeouts. Uh, Ryan Thompson, one in uh, third inning, uh, two hits is all he gave up. Uh, Sal Frank finished out that inning that Thompson was pulled for. Uh, Two-thirds of an inning, zeros across the board. Kevin Ginkle, he did his job in the eighth only allowed one hit, and Seawald got two strikeouts and finished it off. Diamondbacks, uh, five runs on ten hits, no errors. Phillies, um, one run on six hits and an error. Merrill Kelly with the win. Aaron Nola with the loss. And uh, here's how this game went down. Tori Lovello has Merrill Kelly on the mound. He's been great for him all season. Makes his third postseason start this year. Aaron Nola has been a beast this postseason. Corbin Carroll leads off once again. Cattell Marte hits second. Gabby Moreno, the 23-year-old in the three-hole. The bank is open for business. 
That's how game six begins. A strikeout for Nola. It's a pitch he throws right at the left-hander's hip. Comes back over the plate. The umpire stays with it. Trip Gibson. One-two pitch to him. Swing and a miss. Curveball got him. Back-to-back -back K's for Aaron Nola. The big curveball that time. Gabby five for 18 in the series. Couple of RBIs, couple of doubles. 3-2 again. And a ground ball back up the middle center field base set. Well, there's no doubt this kid is going to be a star for years to come. Here is Christian Walker, only two for 17 in the postseason. With one double, two RBIs, he has walked three times. Every hitter Nola has faced thus far, he's been in an 0-2 or a 1-2 count. And down he goes. Nola puts a zero on the board in the first with three Ks. Merrill Kelly gets his second start of this in LCS. Be his third start of the postseason. He has been heavily relied upon all season long, Ronnie. And now the Diamondbacks ask him to carry it to a game seven. Scoreless game. He'll face Kyle Schwarber, who leads off. And he walks on four consecutive pitches. Schwarber's power threat. Kelly doesn't come close. And a lead man on here for Trey Turner. Harper will follow. And that one's in the air to left field. On the run is Guriel feeling for the wall. He's got it. Schwarber tags, then stops. Turner just missed it a click on the bat for out number one. Bryce Harper, five homers in the postseason. Two of them here in the LCS, including in game five. And Harper lays off. Well, looks like Merrill Kelly has a game plan early. Schwarber and Harper both walk. Two men aboard here in the first inning with one out, and here comes Brent Strom. It, I mean, it looks like to me he's just being overly careful with those two guys who are red hot. If Bohm hits a three-run homer right here, you can live with yourself yeah. a little more than if you keep giving up home runs to Schwarber and Harper. Here's a one-two, and three. right there, a called strike three. Burns off that down and in corner. Well, what a great setup. You go away with soft stuff, and then you come here and dot it at 94. And I think watching that, guys, we have our answer. Schwarber and Harper, we're not getting pitched to. And Kelly trying to get out of this first inning unscathed. Bryson Stott, the batter. And Stott gets jammed. Little pop up. Herdomo is calling. The shortstop makes the catch. And Merrill Kelly, the game plan revealing itself early. I'm sure Tommy Pham was not none too happy about not being in the lineup in game five, but he plays well with the chip on his shoulder. Yeah. And Pham sends one deep into left field, and that one's going to fly. Tommy Pham, welcome back to the lineup, running around those bases with some anger. One to nothing, Diamondbacks, and a silencer here in this second inning. One nothing, D-backs shoot on top on Pham's home run. Yeah, don't stop there. Keep it going. Get some guys on base now. And a shot to left, and it's going to be 2 nothing, Diamondbacks, back-to-back. Pham and Gurriel for the Diamondbacks here on the second inning. The Snakes are alive here in this second inning. Gurriel with his second home run of this postseason, and it's two to nothing, Arizona. And now Thomas draws the walk. Now you got Longoria, who very well can reach the seats. And he's due. It's one for 12. And that ball's ripped into the gap left center field. That's going to get down and to the wall. Thomas racing around the bags. He'll be sent home. And Thomas will score Evan Longoria an ambush. It's an RBI double, and it's three to nothing, Diamondbacks. That he's looking for an answer back here. Maybe don't need to get it all back at once, no. but uh, Stock, I would imagine just uh, some sort of counter punch would be would beneficial. Be yeah. yeah. Real Muto hits that one hard into center field. Thomas on the run. Can't get there. That'll go to the wall. 
Real Muto with a leadoff double. An absolute rope. Bring up Nick Castellanos, and uh, it'll be a good time for him to snap his 0 for 15 drought. And a called strike three. Kelly burns off the bottom edge. Perfect pitch. Castellanos is a backwards K. Here's Brandon Marsh. Brandon Marsh turns it around, a base hit to right. Real Muto will be waved home. Carroll's throw all the way in. Run scores, Marsh to second. Phillies are on the board. His mom, Sonia, loves it. And a mistake by Carroll throwing it all the way in. Now Marsh in scoring position. And it's first and third with Trey Turmer coming up. And a swing and a miss. And Kelly pumps that fist in his glove. He strikes out Turner. And the Phillies strand two, but they are on the board. Bryce Harper is going to lead off. Harper walked his first time up. Phillies trailing three to one. Ooh. Harper takes a cold strike three. Merrill Kelly with a breaking ball, a little slider that time, and Harper is gone. It's no chance to double him up. And the second out at second base. JT doubled his first time up. He bats here with a man off. Oh. Runner takes off Stott, throw to second, and the tag is late. Stott just keeps the oven mitt on the bag. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. He elevated the fastball. Real Muto chased it. Kelly with two strikeouts in the inning. He has five in the game. And one away here in the fourth inning. Here's Alec Thomas now. Swung on, hit out towards center field. Rojas is there, and he reaches down at the last moment to take the knuckler right off the top of the grass. Longoria with an RBI double to left center his first time up. No balls, two strikes. Three to one. Diamondbacks up. Here's the pitch to Longoria. Breaking ball, swung on and missed. And the side is retired. First strikeout since the first inning. Fourth strikeout overall for Nola. If Rob Thompson needs to go there, he's got a lot of arms he can call on the rest of the way at this point. Matt Strom, who finished off game five, got the last out of game five, is loosening in the bullpen. Yeah, but Nola, nine out of the last ten, he's retired. Only the walk to Walker, and that's why I look. I feel like he's in complete control right now. Swing and a line drive into center field. That's a base hit. And that will silence this crowd here for the moment at Citizens Bank Park. And now let's see if he gets his wheels going. Marte is 0 for 2. And Marte rifles one right field. That's down fair and into the corner it goes. Carroll can fly. He'll score easily. Marte's on his way to third. It's an RBI triple. Cattell Marte keeps it rolling. Four to one Diamondbacks. And Rob Thompson's going to take the ball from Aaron Nola. He will exit. Marte, 15 consecutive games in the postseason. He has a hit. Lorenzen will come in this game here in the fifth. Now there are two in scoring position. And Pham with a home run that opened up the scoring here tonight for Arizona. Pham, a swing at him as Lorenzen gassed him up. The first fastball of the inning. But it is Schwarber, Trey Turner, and Bryce Harper coming up that third time through. Really hurt Zach Allen in game five. Danny, we're going to learn how Merrill Kelly handles it in game six. And Schwarber, swing and a miss. There's the curve. And that is strikeout number seven for Kelly. Trey Turner is 0 for 2. Out in front, Turner skies one to center field routine for Thomas. And Trey Turner is 0 for 3. Merrill Kelly has retired the first two outs in this fifth inning. Harper stands in and Kelly waits. And he struck him out. Harper chases the curveball and Merrill Kelly, he is becoming a story here in game six. Tori Lovello is shaking Merrill Kelly's hand. Kelly's like, I just struck out the two best hitters yeah. on that team. Tries to get a high five here. Don't bother. He's getting no oh, knuckles. No, no high five. He's upset. Nothing. I don't blame him. And the right-hander Ryan Thompson will take over for Merrill Kelly. 
Bouncing ball. Thompson snares it. And he'll make the play for out number one. And here comes Bryson Stott, who'd like this crowd to be A-O-A-O-K. Stott drives one left center. That's down. A base hit. Bryson Stott with a two-strike hit. And a base runner with one away. Here's Real Mucho. First pitch swinging. High fly ball. Shallow right field. Coming in is Carroll. And he will make the catch. Two away. Here is Castellanos. Thompson delivers. Castellanos serves one to left field. Lazy little fly ball. And Ryan Thompson puts up a zero in the six. Nine pitches. Excellent job by Lorenzen. Now it's Orion Kirkering, the rookie, who started his season in single A. It'll be uh, Perdomo, Carroll, and Marte here as they'd like to add some more runs to this three-run lead. And that one's lined into left field. A base hit. Perdomo, the switch hitter, slaps one to left. Perdomo with a terrific jump. Unfortunately, Corbin Carroll ended up swinging over the sweeper. Here's Marte, who got a hit his last time up, a triple drove in a run. That's a base hit back up the middle. Cattell Marte is going to bring in Perdomo, and the Diamondbacks lead it 5-1. to one. They got the out at second base. Marsh is retired, and there are two outs in the inning. Turner 0 for 3 in this one. Frank deals. Moreno blocks it. Schwarber's on the run. Throw to second. And Schwarber is out. Gabby Moreno with the block and the throw. Or pouncing on that pitch in the dirt. Incredible athleticism. Ball on the field is out in second base. Philadelphia's challenge. There's no challenge here. He's out. Uh, tagged to the elbow before his hand gets there. The call on the midfield is confirmed. The runner is out. Philadelphia has one challenge remaining. Craig Kimbrell, who was uh, not greeted very warmly, came in to warm up here as uh, Kimbrell's going to pitch the eighth. Tommy Pham into center field, and Rojas lays out. What a catch. Johan Rojas, a sparkling play in center field for out number one of this eighth inning. Now runner in scoring position for Longoria. Swing at him as Kimbrell gets the strikeout. Puts up a zero in the seventh. And it has been a Diamondback story in game six. They lead five to one. Paul Seawald, the Diamondbacks closer, another trade deadline acquisition. He has been excellent. JT Real Muto leads off. High fly ball to left. Coming in, Guriel. And there is out number one for the Diamondbacks. That'll bring up Nick Castellanos. Castellanos says swing and a miss. Seawald puts him away quickly. Two quick outs for the Phillies here in the ninth. And last chance to keep it going will be Brandon Marsh. And a cold strike three, and the ball game is over. And the Arizona Diamondbacks have forced a game seven. We will do it tomorrow night at Citizens Bank Park. A convincing victory. Marte with a couple of RBIs. A 5-1 final. This team never say die. I mean, come on. It's unbelievable what, what they're doing. And um, like Bickley, I'm just like, you know, thankful for what they've done so far. Happy for Tori. Really happy for um, for Mike Hazen and the job he's done. That That can't be stated enough. Building this team over the last couple of years, losing his wife Nicole in the process, um, it's just insane, absolutely insane. It, the the trade for Dalton Varsho, who's sitting at home right now, 
had one great year, and it was enough for the Blue Jays to trade Lourdes Gurleo Jr., who's had a great playoffs, and Gabby Moreno, who's had a fantastic and great playoffs as well. It's just, you know, the the list goes on. And they're, you know, the only thing holding Mike Hazen back at times is Ken Kendrick. I mean, really, when you think about it, just crazy what they were do, been been doing. And you have to think uh, later on today, if the Diamondbacks are up or if they get a couple of guys on against Kimbrell, who for most of the season for Phillies has been a uh, a bend but don't break pitcher, but against these Diamondbacks, he's he's broken and he's broken a lot, and that's the reason for the reception he got. Um, that the Diamondbacks will will win and be headed to the World Series, I have to believe that, um, and I think they can get a win. And Brandon fought goes uh, today, but before we get into even uh, uh, that. We have to hear from Merrill Kelly, who uh, spoke to um, TBS on the field, but also the guys in the booth. Yeah, Merrill Kelly with us tonight. Merrill, we didn't know you were there, man, because you were so quiet just listening to us kind of gush over you tonight. Dude, congratulations on a really fantastic start. Tell us how you're feeling uh, tonight, knowing this all went according to plan. What's up, guys? I appreciate you having me. I uh, just want to say what's up to Al real quick. Uh, we go back a couple of years. Love throwing to him. So what's going on, Al? What's up, Merrill? Um, but, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me, but um, I'm just enjoying it, man. Um, good time tonight. I felt like I didn't execute the way that I could have last game. Uh, so going into the game tonight, that was really just my goals to make sure that I executed pitches. And even if I walked, um, you know, if even if I walked Schwarber four times and Harper four times, uh, as long as they didn't beat me, I, I felt like we had a pretty good chance to go, chance to win. Yeah, well, Mara, I wanted to ask you about yeah, the, the game plan that you had with with Gabby going in. I mean, and watching your last start against these guys too, it looked like sometimes, uh, you know, especially to some of the, the lefties that they had there, got a little changeup heavy. But it looked like today, you you just you didn't want to get away from not being able to throw anything at any time. At least that's what it looked like to me. And you were so unpredictable today. I think I was I was tallying the, the strikeouts and you had four looking today, which I think I mean, you just had these guys guessing. Yeah, I mean, you've caught me enough. You know, that's <laughs> how that's kind of how I make my living. Yep. Um, you know, I don't have the, the stuff that like a Zach Wheeler. I don't have the curveball that Aaron Nola has. Um, I feel like I make my living by by throwing pitches that those guys think aren't coming. Um, and when I can do that and when I can locate them, uh, I feel like I got a pretty good shot just about everybody. Hey, Merrill, it's Harold here. I, I tell you what, I want to take you through my breakdown tape of you tonight. Thank you for saying if you walked Schwarber and Harper four times, it didn't matter, because that's how I saw the game. So let's roll the tape. You're going to enjoy this, because I think there's some great stuff that I saw tonight. Uh, You didn't get a chance to see it, because you're locking in on the game. But hey, Merrill, is it it loud enough in here? And I went, hold it, timeout. He pitched the championship game in the WBC, folks. He's been in the noise before. And I felt like that game, hey, you didn't have your best stuff. But it was a learning game for you. Sorry, I had to show that home run. But you actually settled down and did some good stuff. But this sticks to the theme of the tape. Then tonight, the crowd is yelling, screaming. It didn't matter because you were so calm, so poised. And I thought you set the trend with the walk to Swover, the walk to Harper. So what? Because I'm getting you out. 
I'm going to go after you, and I'm going to go after the next guy, Mr. Stout. I'm coming after you. That's the game plan. And I thought you executed it perfectly. We'll jump forward to the second inning. And I thought the similar situation, JT got you with a double here. He caught you, so I said, oh, he knew it was coming. All right, I'll just give you that. All right, so he gets the double, yeah, but hey, pitch. you pitched Castellanos fantastic all night on the edges. Great stuff. You give up the knock here. It's just some good hitting. That was a pretty good pitch. But then you come back, you get out of the end and get the ground ball. You can't let the nine hitter beat you like he did the other night in Arizona. He beat you guys. And then you go ahead. Swarber, go ahead. I'll walk you all day because I'm going after you. Trey Turner got him with the breaking balls. He threw him great. And that was the night for me. I thought you just executed your game plan. You were fantastic. But more importantly, the poise that you pitched with, man. Does that come with the experience? Did the WBC help you at all with those loud crowds? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I won't talk too much because I feel like uh, the crowd did here didn't really like the, my comments last time I made a comment about the WBC being loud. But, um, yeah, I think <laughs> it just comes with, with experience, man. I think it just comes with age. You know, I just turned 35 the other day. Um, I haven't been doing it in the big leagues for that long, but obviously I've been playing this game for a while. No wonder you play um, with Alex. I didn't know you were 35. <laughs> yeah, October 14th. When I first got to Arizona, I thought Al was way older than me. Uh, turns out that he's not. Uh, but those sinkers are running. The sinkers to the lefties are running a little bit, a little bit more than I would have wanted to. I wasn't necessarily trying to throw balls. I didn't really want to walk Schwarber to open the game. Um, but definitely in the back of my mind, if if I did walk them, obviously they're they're as locked in as they can be right now. So if I do put them on base, uh, let's just focus on getting the guys after them. Amara, I just wanted to ask you about when when Tori came to you with the handshake and the look you gave him. I mean, <laughs> for people who don't know you, I mean, you're a dog. You don't want to come out of any game. And I, I'm just curious on how that how that conversation went, because I know Tori loves that stuff. He loves it. He wants you to be a competitor. But I mean, you wanted to stay in there. And I, and I love that about you. Yeah, I think uh, I think part of what what got me is I think I just wasn't expecting it, right? right. Come after the fifth, I just I punched out uh, Schwarber and Harper there, got one, two, three, like through the, the the best three hitters in their lineup. Um, so I think it probably just caught me off guard more than anything. Um, and obviously, like you said, you've seen me pitch enough. Um, I've always said if I go five innings, it's not really doing my job. My job is right. as a starting pitcher is to go at least six. Um, so I, I think more than anything, it just kind of caught me off guard. And like you said, I don't ever want to come out of a game, especially, you know, game six of the NLCS. I want to be out there helping them, helping my boys win. Um, but, you know, we talked about it. I, we brought him back and uh, we hashed it out, but we're, we're good to go. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Hey, Merrill, how important was it to get those three runs early? Huge, huge. Um, you know, in this ballpark, you take any momentum that you can get. Uh, they try to harness the momentum as much as they can with their fans, and their hitters really, really feed off that. Um, so I think if you can get them early, you got a, a lot better shot at, at winning the game. You available tomorrow, Merrill? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love it. <laughs> Man, game sevens. It's so much fun. We really enjoyed watching your pitch tonight. Thanks for taking some time with us, and good luck tomorrow night. Yeah, Merrill was not very happy with uh, Tory, and and you know he's a competitor. He he, you know, and everybody on the team, of course, is. But that's what you want from from one of your aces. I mean, like I, like I keep on saying, I feel like Merrill was the ace first before Zach Gallen, but Zach Gallen just kind of rose rose above him over the last couple of years. But I mean, in this series, it's definitely been Merrill. Merrill 
didn't get the win uh, his first start in, the, in this series because of lack of run support um, and held it together pretty well. Zach Gallon has not been great in this series, was great in uh, in uh, against the Dodgers, and um, both of them were great against uh, the Brewers. But, I mean, they're competitors, and that's what you want. I don't know if we'll see either of them. I think uh, – you know, all bets are off uh, for uh, today. And, uh, you know, I, I really like our chances. I, I have the biggest smile on my face right now. Tori Lavella, what do you think? The obvious one is the crowd. Um, the It was considerably um, more quiet for those middle innings when I think things were can get really ramped up here. But once they get somebody on base or they get score a run, it, it picks up again. But we kept ch- tacking on a run, um, <clears throat> and I think that that's a that's a very powerful statement when you just add another point here and there. Uh, and I just feel like those early runs let us exhale a little bit. It's an elimination game for us. We know what's at stake. Uh, we knew we had to do, and we were we were in the middle of doing it. And I think we just started to relax a little bit, and. We just continue to capitalize throughout throughout the course of the day. It was a it was a much cleaner game. It was it was it was very close to a Diamondback type of a baseball game. There were some things, there are some things we have to clean up, and we will. But um, I was very pleased overall with the effort, and I think the crowd was out of it, and, and we just started to make those statements, and, and I was very happy about it. First of all, I know he's got a he's got a warrior mentality. Um, he didn't like watching a game the other day from from the other side. I know that he feels like he got benched, but I just was giving him a little bit of a blow. Um, and I know that um, a lot of the information that I had in front of me and and very targeted information said that it was a really good matchup for him and Nola. Um, so it ended up working out well, right? He gets gets a really good swing off on a breaking ball and gives us a one nothing lead. So it was a great moment for him and a great moment for this team. Uh, he had done his job. It was 65 pitches through three. That was a concern. It was 45 after 48 after two. That was a concern. So I was I was managing his workload. I was watching his stuff. It was in my opinion. It was just time to come out of the game. What I can share about it is um, he was pounding the table to go back out there and was and was shocked that I was going to remove him from the game. But we had another brief conversation and I explained to him why I was doing it. And he began to slowly understand. Yeah, I think we enjoyed it. I think there were a lot of F yes um, as, as we were shaking hands. And I think everybody was excited. And um, I like that. We, we deserve this moment. We, we're we're going to play game seven. And for me, game seven, it's like all hands on deck. Anything is possible. Game sevens are game sevens for a reason. So we earned the right to play in that game. And um, I, I'm proud of the guys for that. So I want them to enjoy it. They're excited. But at some point tonight, we're going to probably turn the page and set our sights on their starting pitcher, set our sights on what our job is, and uh, make sure we get a good night's rest. So I'm really proud of the boys, but I want, I want them to celebrate. They're, they're in a very good mood in that clubhouse right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, as, as they should be, and, and um, I'm so thrilled for this team. It's just... It's been a a great ride so far, and I, I don't I don't want it to end. I don't think it will. You know, I, I obviously can be wrong, but I, I just I just don't. I really really believe in this team. 
I felt like last night's game was, you know, it was it was a big one, you know, because their fans came in. Oh, we're gonna win it. We're going on a World Series. Put these guys away in six. They left early. As soon as the ninth hit, they started. They started hitting the hitting the uh, hitting the streets, and um, uh, it was it was it was actually fun to see. It was it was really really fun to see. Uh, Merrill Kelly, let's hear from you one more time um, on uh, on how you felt. The game plan wasn't uh, to change necessarily. Um, I think I went back and looked at my game. It was more just about executing. Um, I think especially the early homers that you talk about uh, purely just weren't executed pitches. Um, the one to Trey was a non-competitive backup cutter that was middle. Um, and the first one to Schwab was a fastball middle away. Um, so my priority was not necessarily to change the whole game plan, not really go back to the drawing board, but more of just focus on each and every pitch um, and just trying my best to execute each and every pitch. Didn't really try to change too much. Um, I was confident that the game plan was going was gonna to work. Um, and even though we did have traffic there with the walks, um, you know, Harper and Schwarber are both super locked in right now. Um, they're not missing too many mistakes. Um, so I'm not too mad about putting them on base right now. The, if the worst thing they get to me all day is a walk, um, I went in tonight being OK with that. Um, and just trusting that in between um, those guys that I had the confidence to get the other guys out, um, I just really didn't want to have those guys beat me. So if I did have a little bit of traffic on base, um, I just tried to trust my stuff and, and get some ground balls or get some quick outs after that. I just don't like ever coming out of a game. Um, that's partly just me being stubborn, um, also partly just the situation. I think partly why I was upset right there was I was kind of just taken off guard by it. Um, you know, I just went through their top three, punched out two of them, um, 90 pitches through five. I'm thinking I'm for sure going back out for six. Um, and then when I came in and, and saw his handout for the handshake that I was done, it, it kind of just, I think, kind of took me by shock more than anything. Um, and in that situation, obviously, NLCS game six, I want to be out there. I want to help my team win. Um, and that's kind of my mentality. Um, but we, you know, we had a conversation after that inning. Um, you know, he kind of broke down why it was that he took me out um, and the reason behind it. Behind it. Um, and at the end of the day, I trust my bullpen. It's not about me not trusting who's coming in behind me. It's just me trusting myself, I think. Um, but at the end of the day, the guys behind me came in and did a great job. And at the end of the day, if, if we win, then that's what matters. I'm the type of guy that I kind of have to live on the edges. I don't have the 95-plus fastball. I don't have the super spinny breaking ball. Um, so I kind of make a living on making people make decisions, right? Um, and if I'm living on the edges, that forces them to make decisions, and it forces them to swing at pitches that maybe they wouldn't normally or maybe they shouldn't be swinging at. Um, and I think when I'm locating those pitches, um, especially with the ability to um, change directions and change speeds, uh, I think that's probably when I'm at my best. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been a it's been a good journey. Um, I've said it before. If you would have told me I'd be sitting here five years ago, um, even when I did make it to the big leagues for the first time, I mean, I would have told you you were probably crazy. Um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of hurdles that I think I had to get over and get past to get here. Um, I definitely don't take sitting here talking to you guys for granted. I don't I don't take for granted that I was the game six starter today um, and helped the D-backs, you know, win a, a crucial game six. Um, it's been fun to, you know, kind of enjoy it with these guys in, in our clubhouse and on that side. Um, and I think a lot of them have helped me get here. Um, but it's 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 been fun, and I'm I'm just trying to kind of take everything and enjoy it.
Yeah. Yeah. I echo that. Tommy Pham, you, you didn't play game six, or you didn't play game five. You did play game six. Uh, again, I say much to the chagrin of a bunch of fans uh, and, and uh, maybe some media types. Uh, and then you come out in the second inning and get your your uh, team on the board first with a solo home run. What say you? I'm already pretty um, self-motivated, um, but that kind of helped. Nola has great success against me. He, his profile works really well against me. Um, for my, you know, my batting profile, um, he just left me a mistake. That's really what it was. He missed this spot. Win or go home. Win. We don't want to go home, so you got to win. They have a great fans, a great crowd. That that that's kind of like their 27th man. And um, anytime when you can jump out like that, it just it makes. Merrill's job easier, you know, puts a little less pressure on on us hitters. Um, hopefully we can do the same thing tomorrow. Uh, yesterday's game was like the first game that, you know, they the Diamondbacks were running the bases aggressively, uh, trying to get some steals, and they got some very crucial steals. And my mom was watching with me, and she, you know she got excited about. Um, I can't remember who who stole a base, but um, and there was a overthrow in into center field, and I'm like, man, this this is this is the thing that that this team has been built on, and they haven't done it all this series, and this is the first time we we've seen it. They've been making. People make uh, make try to make plays, and you know everybody's been failing. And this is who this team is. And today, I hope we see a lot of it. Cattell Marte, you've been fantastic, absolutely fantastic, getting hits every game. Uh, how how are you? How are you feeling? Bien, tenemos que comenzar arriba ya que estábamos abajo en la serie, sabes. It was key to punch first or, or get ahead in, in the game early, and thankfully we end up with a win. This is a fun game. We, we Our goal is to keep it fun, and we just didn't get distracted. We just kept on doing our game. Of course we want it bad. We want the whole thing, and in order to do that, we got to win tomorrow and don't worry about the rest later. Brandon Fott, you are, uh, and I had myself muted, so that's my fault for what probably the longest five or six seconds there. Uh, Brandon Fott, you are today's starter. What a story to tell. I, I mean, to you're starting game seven, Brandon Fott. Can't really reveal my whole game plan. That's kind of a secret, but. Um, we're just going to keep attacking them, keep um, being aggressive, and be cautious of the home run hitters. I know that's been a problem, and, and try to work the game plan around that. It being more meaningful games, I think you game plan a little more. You have a little more edge going out there, and you know that it's a must-win game. Um, that's where the competitive nature comes in, and, and uh, I think that's kind of my, my only answer to um, for the results that have happened. 
my confidence is, is pretty high. I try to keep it pretty steady. Um, I think that's kind of where people struggle is when their confidence dips too low or too high. So uh, I've always been taught to keep it even keel. And that's kind of the way I try to keep it. So um, I'd say it's high right now, but I try to keep it the same throughout the whole season and in the postseason. Repetitions and, and having those downfalls and then having the, the uprising, I think you kind of learn to keep it even keel. And that's kind of how I was raised and, and how I was taught going from high school to college to pro ball. Man, he, he's... He's been unbelievable. That that is for certain. Well, I uh, I hope you guys have an, enjoyed it about a about an hour of uh, Diamondbacks well deserved covering two games. Today's game seven, and um, it's you know last night was do or die. It's another do or die. You know, and. Uh, Man, I hope they can get get it get it done. I think they can. I really do. I really, really do. I have no idea, um, you know, how they'll do against the Rangers. By the way, it will, will be Diamondbacks and Rangers or Phillies and Rangers. Um, Rangers are waiting, waiting for this game to get done uh, today. Um, and I, you know, I I feel really, really good about. About how Brandon fought, he is pitching the the last couple of games. He is, you know, the best of his his life. And and the, the nervous thing is that he, you know, he's had some great back to back outings, and so you you know you think about the third one, you know, has been just um a complete breakdown and you're i'm so hoping that that doesn't happen and i know you guys are going to be upset at me for kind of speaking that but you might that's where my mind goes because that's where how brandon fought has been all year you know have have two fantastic starts and then boom a breakdown and uh but you know you you during that conversation at the end there he uh he was uh talking and 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 there were some pitches um, you know, from earlier in the season or earlier in the series where they had no answer for Brandon Fought. And that's the confidence, though, that you do go into this this Game 7. Um, you guys know where to find me, Big Sky Sports Talk, at Big, uh, at Big Sky Sports Talk at gmail.com, at Big Sky Sports Talk for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Like, comment, follow, subscribe, share, do do all the things. I appreciate you guys. Let's go D-backs.